Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and I am joined today by another Joe. Joey Richards. Uh, if you do not follow him on Twitter, you ought to. He is at JR Drafts. He is breaking down film. He is talking Broncos. He will get you up to date on draft stuff at draft time and now and basically all over. So, like, I am stoked to have you on. I like talking Broncos. The last time we talked was right before the draft. And since then, quite a bit has happened. Uh, totally. I, I'm so stoked to be on. Anytime I get the chance to talk Broncos, I, I'm, I'm here for it. So thank thank you for allowing me to come on. Yeah, of course. Uh, so kind of before before we kind of get into what I really want to talk to you about, I want to ask you about the Broncos draft because you and I have kind of circled around this on Twitter a little bit. And yeah. people listening probably have an idea of where I'm at with it. But so so don't let me like hedge you into anything by any means. <laughs> okay. uh, but kind of where did you land on it? On the Broncos draft, just in like my general thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my general thoughts are: if you showed me who the Broncos drafted, like just just a picture of who the Broncos drafted, without telling me how they got these players, I would be pretty stoked with it. But and then once you start showing me the process of, oh, okay, so we traded up in the second round for Javante Williams. Oh, okay, we passed on Justin Fields to draft Patrick Sertan. It kind of taints it a little bit, just knowing the process the Broncos went through to get these guys. Um, Overall, I think the Broncos did really well at just attaining talent. But 
I don't think they did a great job at looking at like priority prioritizing positions, I guess. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, so one thing I was thinking, like, I've been thinking about this for a minute because, and you, you mentioned this earlier, cause you asked on Twitter, I want to say it was last week. Uh, and again, like, so like at the timeline of this might be a little bit jumbled based on, you know, wherever we drop this, but, but you, you, you asked this a while back about, uh, what Fangio has to do to keep his job. And, and I immediately answered basically saying like, I think he has to make the playoffs mm-hmm. and, the more I've thought about that since I, I really feel like I feel strongly about this, not again, because I want Fangio to be fired, but just because kind of the way everything's set up, like Peyton coming in, he might very well want his own guy, but then you also, you look at the Broncos off season. Peyton kind of went about this off season. Again, I liked the off season as a whole, but you look at what he did. He eliminated excuses for Fangio. Like the Broncos have a veteran quarterback now. So quarterback technically can't be like the excuse for this season tanking. Uh, You look at the draft and you look at Patrick Sertan, Javante Williams, even Quinn Miners. The Broncos had issues at center last year. Well, now they have another center. So one of those two feasibly should be good or good ish. Um, And then you look at Javante Williams being a running back, instant contributors, almost always like if they're going to be good, they're usually good really quickly. Patrick Zertan is about as pro ready as it gets. Like uh, I, I, and I think I've referenced this a few times, but like I talked to make defense great against coach Vass a couple weeks ago. And he brought up, he was like basically coming from the Saban defense transitioning to the, the Fangio defense should be about as easy as it is. Like, like he, he's set up for success here. Right. So, so I, I feel really strongly that this is kind of make or break for Fangio. And again, I hope he sticks around. Like, I hope this works out, but that's kind of where, like, I agree with you on the draft. Like, I I like the players, even the safety. Like, I liked Baron Browning a lot. I like probably Baron Browning more than anybody. Uh, but then I liked Caden Stearns and Jamar Johnson where they got them. I don't know necessarily if they're going to develop into more than special teamers, but I do like where they got them and the process of trading down to recollect picks after the trade-up. It made sense. Um, I still like you. I'm not... I'm, I'm curious how... Or how... Sorry, I'm curious how sure the Broncos were that they would lose Javante Williams if they did not trade up. Um, and again, like we'll never know. But but like that's like, and again, even if they thought they were going to, I don't necessarily like the idea of trading up just because I do think that running back that the value just isn't there. But I'm curious if they had some sort of insight that like somebody was going to take them. Um, yeah. Have you have you have you thought anything? Like have you thought about anything with the? Uh, like the rumors that Bron- the Broncos wanted to get Jalen Phillips. Yeah, no, that's super interesting, huh? It just shows that the that the thought process is there on some of them. Like, I think edge is a position in need. It's something that you need to cover. Von Miller, um, as much as we all love him, he's a legend, like walking legend, one of my favorite players of all time. But he is getting up there in age. He's in a contract year. Edge is a priority. You need to fill that position. So moving back in up for a Jalen Phillips, who is supremely talented. I know, you know, I love Jalen Phillips this last yep. offseason. So um, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it kind of, it, it makes you wonder going into the future, what they think about Von Miller. Is this a guy they want to keep after the season? Um, I'm not exactly sure. What's interesting to think about with Jalen Phillips too, for me, and again, like not to, you know, get off on this too much, but like, hypothetically the Broncos could have come out of the last two drafts with Patrick queen instead of KJ Hamler and Jalen Phillips instead of Javante Williams. And it's interesting to think about, cause that's like, that's very different. The defense looks 
quite young and quite stacked, but then the offense is missing two of the pieces that were like, we're both, you know, like really excited about. Um, but I digress. Uh, while we're talking edge though, you wrote about Bradley Chubb. I thought the piece was great guys. If you have not checked it out and I did it really, I always do this. I do a shitty job of introducing people. So I apologize. If you want to read JR's stuff, he writes up mile high sports. He wrote about Bradley Chubb. I keep up with your stuff each time it comes out. So guys go check it out. Um, what, and again, I'll, I'll probably bug you about this at the end, but like kind of what's in the pipeline down the road. If, if you have any thoughts on it, just to, if people are kind of thinking. Yeah, no, I think the Jalen Phillips thing kind of points to a direction. I think that like you were talking about Fangio earlier, it sounds like the way, the way the roster was constructed this offseason makes you think that it's a win now team. Like all the pieces, second round running back, like you said, bring back Von Miller for the one more year. Um, even bring the DBs we brought in. Kyle Fuller's on a one year. Bryce Callahan's gone after this year. Like just the way the roster is constructed. Um, Trying to get back up, I think that I think it's going to be tough. I, I I don't know exactly what they were going to do with Von Miller, but the Jalen Phillips thing definitely does point to a direction. Like, hey, we are looking for a replacement here, mm-hmm. and that's it's tough for me. And again, like I, I'm going off onto a tangent, so I apologize. But like for me, that's what's what's tough is just like the Broncos are in a win now situation with a lot of guys on one year contracts, and I've said this before. They're there. This is like basically as talented as the roster is probably going to look at everything except for quarterback because again, like the Von Miller, but then also like Cortland Sutton and Bradley Chubb are both on rookie contracts that are going to get a lot more expensive down the road. You look at some of the other positions, Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewel are free agents. Kareem Jackson's probably gone after this year. The secondary is going to look almost entirely different next year, other than Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons, and probably Ronald Darby. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. Um, and again, I, I don't want to like draw you into like my hater raid circle, I guess. Cause like, I, this is like my thing, but like, do you think the quarterback situation is good enough that the Broncos can compete for the playoffs this year? If, if, okay. So like injury luck obviously has to be on their side. There's, yeah. there's certain things that need to happen. Um, but I think the Broncos' defense is going to keep them competitive. I think that if you can keep it to a low-scoring game, and also on top of that, the quarterback simply can't turn the ball over, which I think we're going to get into later. But I, I think the Broncos can be competitive. Now, whether they pull out those games, it's a different question, right? I think there's going to be a lot of close games this year with the defense. Um whether it goes their way at the end, I'm not exactly sure. The one thing that kind of really helps me with this, because uh, I've been thinking about this a lot, just because obviously the, the Broncos, in a lot of ways, they're kind of, this is a pivotal season, not just for Fangio, but it's like with the ownership situation sitting above it and Peyton being in his first year. And then like, and I, we might get to this at some point, but the fact is I don't like that quarterback class next year very much. I think I'm like the most vocal person about it right now, but it just, it, I've talked to enough people that I'm like, people are going to paint it as better than it is because we have to. Yeah. I don't necessarily know. And again, guys could surprise us this year, but like based on what we know right now, I don't think there's a lot of starters in next year's quarterback class. And that's my concern. Yeah. There's guys like, yeah, let's get an interesting developmental guy. But like, I want a starter. Like that's what the Broncos actually need. But in, in the meantime though, this year's schedule is pretty soft. This is the softest schedule the Broncos have had since I started writing for Mile High Report. Like, 
every year it seems like the Broncos had one of the top 10 hardest schedules. And part of that's the AFC West, obviously. But because the Broncos finished so badly last year, they ended up getting some shit teams. And I, I'll take it. Um, yeah. And and I kind of really like, and I know that no, no primetime thing kind of hurts, like in terms of like people aren't going to have as easy a time watching them. But you look at the Broncos schedule, the way it's kind of set up, I really dig just because you have the Giants early and then the Jaguars and hopefully the Jaguars aren't really like Trevor Lawrence is probably going to look better at the end of the year than he is at the beginning of the year. I would think granted the Broncos probably won't have as much tape on him, obviously, but I like Fangio against a rookie quarterback. I think that that might work in the Broncos favor. Um, But then it's the Jets before the Ravens. So you have three games that look like feasible wins as long as the Broncos don't shit their pants before they're starting to get into the meat of the schedule. Um, what do you totally. think? Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I mean, like you, you said it perfect. The Broncos have a, things look favorable if you're just looking at the schedule. Now, the thing that you're going to run into is that in division, you have Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Like the Broncos can be good and still not make the playoffs. Like that's something that can happen just with who's in division. Um, so I'm not, I'm 50, 50. We were talking about what Fangio needs to do to get in. If he has to make the playoffs, it's, it's really a toss up. I'm not exactly sure just because of who's in the division. I think the Broncos are going to be competitive with the schedule, but a lot of these teams, uh, they could be better than us in the division. So who knows? Yeah, that's well, and if it, well, no, and if it, if it boils down to quarterback, the, the truth is, even if Teddy Bridgewater is the starter, or if, even if Drew Locke is playing at a comparable level to what Teddy Bridgewater realistically probably will do, the Broncos probably had the fourth best quarterback in the division, barring a trade for Aaron Rodgers. And we'll get to that. But as of right now, when I'm looking at stuff, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a pessimist on that front, just because until it happens, we don't know, even though technically I believe it's going to happen. Like, I, I just want to throw that out there. I know that I'm crazy for that. Everybody seems to think I'm crazy for this. I, and again, ultimately, that's a, again, that's a whole thing. But I think it'll boil down to what Aaron Rodgers does. If he sits out, I think he's going to end up forcing them to trade him. But that's a whole thing. But if they don't trade for him, the Broncos realistically have the fourth, maybe even fifth best quarterback in the division, depending on what people think of Marcus Mariota. And that's a concern. Um, I do think the Broncos roster outside of quarterback is as good as anybody in the division, except maybe the Chiefs. And honestly, the Chiefs, it's close just because the Chiefs have... Uh, Obviously, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, the Honey Badger, like those pieces, their stars are very, very good. Chris Jones. But like yeah. after their stars, they have some pretty big questions. Like their defense, first of all, their defense was quite healthy last year. And that to me is like not necessarily like I'm again, I'm not rooting for injury, but realistically, they're probably gonna be more hurt this year. Um, which again, from the Broncos perspective, that could be really good because they're really top heavy. Um, the bad news is I think Willie Gay is going to turn into a star. Uh, I loved him coming out and he didn't play a lot last year, but when he played, it looked good. Um, granted, like the fact that Steve Spagnuolo didn't play him much on passing downs to me might be a red flag. Um, but I do think like a full off season, all that, like coming out, he was good on passing downs when he was playing in college. Mm -hmm. So, but go ahead. You know, yeah. The Chiefs, um, like you said, they're super top-heavy. They're one of those teams that if they get hit hard at any of their top-tier players, it's their roster compl- like plummets a little bit. It's not, it's not nearly as good. Um, their depth isn't that great. 
but their star players are better than the Broncos star players. Yep. We're just a younger football team throughout, I think. Um, our best players are really young. <laughs> they really are. Cortland yeah. Sutton, Dudley Chubb. And we're still getting up there. But the Chiefs are definitely the scariest team. I Just going over the schedule, I always chalk those ones up to two losses. Same. And, and, and again, like I, when I do the schedule, I tend to try and be like, I try to look at it through like, like, I don't know how to explain it. I try to be bleak. Like if a team is very good, I tend to just say it's a loss. And if they surprise me, they surprise me. And that's after those first three games, Giants, Jags, Jets, the Broncos run into the Ravens and the Steelers. And the Ravens to me, that's one of those games. I would just say it's a loss right now. And I hope I'm wrong. Just because, and again, people like to argue that Lamar Jackson's bad, but like, first of all, we have not seen Fangio play against a running quarterback like, like, first of all, there's very few quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, but, but Fangio's defense is going back to like when he was with the Bears, did have more issues against quarterbacks who could move. Like, that's a thing. And the Ravens have one of the better options, like, they're an option team, first of all, which is going to stress everybody because it's so different than everybody else on your schedule. And their defense on top of that is very, very blitz heavy. So if the Broncos are starting Drew Locke, I am very nervous. And if the Broncos are starting Teddy Bridgewater, I'm still quite nervous because the offensive line, if they're starting Cameron Fleming, it's a red flag. Like if I was Wink Martindale and I knew that I was playing against Cam Fleming and Lloyd Cushenberry, it's a, it's, it's a feast. You're, you're going to be able to run a lot of stunts at them. And again, like I'm hoping that both these, like, I'm not trying to root it. Yeah, I know you know this. I'm not saying this hoping that these players are bad, but realistically, based on what I've seen with both these players, like if I was a defensive coordinator, that is where I would attack the Broncos offensive line until they yeah. stop me. No, totally. I think there's no way around it. I mean, you just have to watch watch film, see what you see. And from what I saw, I'm not overly impressed with Cam Fleming. I don't think he's the right tackle of the future. I don't think that he's someone that's going to go in there and just be a brick wall for the Broncos on the right side. Um, so I think that's truthful. Yeah, the, the Ravens are going to be tough for anybody. And this Lamar Jackson stuff is crazy. If you just want a quarterback that's going to go in there and win games, we've seen Lamar Jackson go in there and win games. Like, I don't know what else we have to discuss right now. It's it's crazy talk. <laughs> it, well, and the other thing is, and again, like, I've been probably higher on Lamar Jackson as a passer than he's deserved. Based, and I know, like, the MVP season was – it was unsustainable, and la- but I also think last season was worse than it than he really is. And then you look at the investment they've made in their receiving core. And granted, they're all very young for the most part, except for Sammy Watkins. But also, like, I liked Rashad Bateman. I really, really liked Miles Boykin coming out. And again, like, he hasn't done anything yet. But, like, they have pieces. And then they have the tight ends. And and, and, and this is a kind of a timely part of this. Uh, we're recording right after I was discussing the fact that the Broncos linebackers are better than they get credit for. Uh, when I did the breakdown on this, like, the narrative about the Broncos off-ball linebackers, and this is Alexander Johnson Josie Jewell, is basically that they're two down run stuffers who can't play in coverage. And I've slow it's taken me a long time to realize this. Casual fans or people who just watch broadcasts tend to equate speed with coverage ability when it comes to linebackers. And and part of that, I blame Madden, because again, I do this in Madden. I draft I draft the fastest linebackers I can find, and then I user them. And then they're good because I'm usering them. Yeah. But, but in reality, and again, part of this is because Fangio protects them. Like Fangio definitely runs a scheme and he tries to hide them a little bit. He doesn't ask them to carry up the field very much, but at the same time, what they do, 
they've been pretty good at it. Like Alexander Johnson's pretty good in coverage. Again, he's not the quickest guy, but he knows how to play his do his job. And Josie Jewell surprised me last year. I don't know if it's sustainable, but last year he was much better in coverage than I thought. Yeah, totally. The the Broncos linebackers, they're like you can upgrade from the Broncos linebackers, but the difference it makes, I'm not sure it's like a massive difference. Like if you went out and drafted a first round linebacker, I'm not sure that's that that's the way to go. I think Jesse Jewell and Alexander Johnson are more than um, capable in a good defense. I really do think that. With that in mind, my one fear with the Ravens is that they have Mark Andrews. And, and, and that's, and again, like that's not to say that I think the Broncos linebacker, because the thing with Mark Andrews is Mark Andrews is not the athletic freak that like Darren Waller, or Travis Kelsey is. So like the Broncos speed at linebacker isn't going to be as big an issue there because that does show up when you see them play against Waller. Waller, Waller's a freak, but that Waller terrorizes every linebacker core. And I think a lot of Broncos fans don't realize that like he's a mismatch for everyone. That's what we hope Noah Fant becomes is something like that. But, but that is like one concern just because Mark Andrews is really good. But I think that that'll be probably one of those X factors in that matchup. If the Broncos can slow down Andrews and force Jackson to go wide to his wide receivers, they have a decent chance because I think the Broncos secondary is good enough to kind of punish him. Mm-hmm. But, but that's going to be, I think early on, that's going to be the first game I circle and just like, I have no idea how it's going to go. I'm really hoping um, if they enter that game, zero and three, I think it's going to be a really rough season. Yeah. That's when you start looking at Fangio, right? Yeah. Uh, personally. And again, I, I want to get your thoughts on the Steelers before I dog them too much, but I am going to probably dog them quite a bit. I think Ben is washed. I, I, I completely agree with you. I don't think big Ben has it anymore. He's lean and mean though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, when I was doing the schedule, I put the Steelers up as a win. I don't so know. Do what I. You, did. you did. I do. Cool. To me, it's like the Steelers to me feel a lot like the, the last year with Kobe. And again, I'm not trying to, to disrespect Kobe. I'm not trying to, you know, but the last year with Kobe was kind of like a retirement tour. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like Ben came back, got his payday. The Steelers are doing everything they can to not suck because the entire time Ben's played, they haven't been terrible. Um, so they want to send him off on the right foot, but you look at what they did. They were cap strapped. They lost a bunch of depth. They lost Steven Nelson. So their secondary is weaker. Their offensive line lost pieces and they lost Bud Dupree. And granted, I think Bud Dupree's overrated. Like that's a, that's a whole other thing, but he fit their defense. Vince Williams just retired, like literally just retired before we came on. Like, I think they're weaker across the board than they were last year. And I think that offense last year was pretty weak. The defense was good enough that it carried them. And I think they got some luck in terms of scheduling and stuff like that. But it's just, it's hard to imagine this team is better than last year's. Oh, totally. And then DeCastro's gone, right? I mean, they have, they have, they, they have solid receivers, but what, what does solid receivers do you when your quarterback's not very great? That's kind of what we're deal, dealing with in Broncos country right now. So it's, it's kind of the same situation over there. And you're completely right. It kind of does feel like Kobe's a farewell tour. And then they go ahead and draft Najee Harris in the first round. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But um, I definitely put that one up as a win for the Broncos. Well, and it's one of those things where you drive not – and I don't want to get off on a too big a tangent. But it's like you drive Najee Harris, but you lose all the pieces on your offensive line. Yeah, if, if Javante Williams ends up finding his way to a starting job this year, I would not at all be surprised if he outperforms Najee Harris. Oh, totally. Totally. I, I was really close on them coming out of the draft anyways. Me too. I didn't, I, it was like one a one B for me. It really was. Um, 
I, actually, towards the end, I started leaving, uh, going Javante Williams' way, just looking at the carries and how many less carries he had than Najee Harris. So, so I had, and I'm not saying this is late, but I had Javante Williams above Harris the whole way, just based on wow. you know like fit and stuff. Um, but just because I, I, I think Najee Harris is good, so I'm not like I'm not trying to bash him now. But to me, it's Javante Williams is more explosive, and I liked what he did as a blocker a little bit more. And also, he wasn't playing behind the Alabama offensive line. And again, like, it, people tried to argue this with me back when I did my Javante Williams breakdown, but, like, the UNC offensive line wasn't very good. Like, their concepts were pretty fun, and I thought they did a good job. And granted, again, I'm not saying Javante Williams is perfect by any means, but but he's explosive. And I just – the Broncos' situation with their offensive line, even with the questions I just – like, you and I both just discussed with Fleming in the, the center situation, the offensive line looks better than what the Steelers are dealing with. And they also have Munchak, so I would hope that like they can get something passable together as long as either Bobby Massey or Fleming are decent. So like I like William's situation a lot more. The thing that Harris is probably going to bring to the table, and this is like if any of you guys are playing fantasy, if you're playing PPR, I think Harris is going to be decent just because he's going to probably catch a lot of checkdown passes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, but like, you nailed it. What? What? You have receivers with no quarterback, and then you got a running back with not a very great offensive line. It's just the the assets that you've used there. I don't know how valuable they are without those other pieces in place. It's a lot of names and not a lot of substance is what I yeah, see. Exactly. Uh, so what do you think of the Raiders? I personally think that the Broncos should win this game. Um, I, again, like I thought the Broncos should beat them last year in both games, and they didn't. So like I definitely could be wrong. Um, but – Part of that issue last year was the quarterback play and then the end of the game. This is the whole thing. I thought the end of the season, it was, first of all, the secondary fell completely apart. But also, like, the the timeout stuff at the end, like, people made a big deal about it. But, like, honestly, like, I'm glad that the Broncos lost their way to nine instead of winning that meaningless game. Like, I'm not rooting for the loss, but I wasn't upset about it. (laughs) Listen... I'll tell you, I was rooting for the rooting for the loss. I really was. I want. I, I'm looking for. Um, I want. I thought it would put us in better position to draft quarterback. So I wanted the loss. It didn't mean anything at the end of the season, and I'd rather have ten years of success than one. Now the Broncos didn't end up going that way, but that, that's where my mindset was at least. No, I think that's fair. And I mean, and honestly, like from your perspective, it worked. They were in position to draft a quarterback. That's you know, whole thing. But yeah. But what do you think of this Raiders team? The fact that they gutted their offensive line and Mike Mayock has come out and said like, oh, well, we got more athletic. It's like, yeah, you got more athletic. But the thing is, like offensive linemen historically take time to be decent. Like generally speaking, most offensive linemen don't come in and look really good in year one. So the fact that the Raiders gutted all their veterans off their line, to me, that's almost a surefire sign that they're going to be worse. And then you look at Josh Jacob, like, John Gruden runs the ball too much. Like I've, I've looked at this before Gruden runs the ball like a coach from the nineties does. Um, and again, like when you have a good offensive line and you're running against a team that runs light in the box, like the Broncos do, I can see the argument, but I don't think they have the offensive line to do that this year, which means that they're going to have to lean on Carr to kind of protect himself more. And while I think Carr is good in quick game, I don't think he necessarily has the receivers to really carry their offense unless like rugs or Edwards really take a big jump. Um, yeah, Waller, but I don't think you can just live off of Waller alone. I, I, I completely agree with you. I also, I mean, some of their off season, off season moves this year were just so weird to me. Like the Kenyon Drake signing was Thank you. such an odd one. Like I, that one I couldn't figure out at all. I really didn't, but 
But um, you draft this running back in the first round, you could go in payday for Kenyon Drake. Just not my ideal situation. And, and then you look at even last year's offseason additions. Um, Corey Littleton didn't look fantastic. He didn't look great. Uh, I'm just not sure that they're taking the steps forward rather than going backwards right now a little bit this season. That's kind of like one of my big ho- – like because I'm afraid of Herbert. Um, I am optimi- like I am hopeful slash optimistic that the Chargers defense is not a good enough fit for Staley that that helps the Broncos cause this year. Um, cause I like, I'm really worried about the Chargers in a long-term type of thought, but I think this year it might be okay. Maybe, you know, like again, pessi- like cautiously optimistic, but I think the Raiders, like, honestly, like if, if they, if the Broncos had had the off season, the Raiders had, I, like, I think, you know, I, I don't even know. I would have lost my mind. Yeah. I would have been going crazy on Twitter. <laughs> it's just, oh man, I. I don't understand like their thought process. And again, this is a whole thing, but it's like they paid Gruden 10 year contract and he's basically made the team worse since the Khalil Mack trade. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, where, 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 where did these picks exactly go? I'm trying to run down. What are your thoughts on Leatherwood? So no, that's a good question. I, I liked him more than like Twitter did like at, at the time. I thought like for the Broncos sake, and again, I try to look at, you know, all prospects. I know you do this too, uh, but I, t- I tend to look at all prospects through the lens of like, how would they fit the Broncos systems? And I thought basically he would fit as a right tackle, kind of a worse version of Tevin Jenkins. And I liked the idea that if he can't survive at right tackle, he's proven a right guard and he's proven a guard. And like, you could, you could feasibly make him work there, but I wouldn't have taken him where they took him. Uh, and the fact that they're basically running him out there right away is going to probably like, I expect Von Miller and Bradley Chubb to have a good day against him. Yeah. Uh, just because his biggest issues, like he uses the two hand punch too much and he'll miss with his hands. And all of a sudden he's just grasping at air. You can't tell me Von Miller's not going to be able to take advantage of that. So it's like Tom Cable either has to fix him or it's going to be awful. Right. And we kind of hit on this earlier, but the offensive line him around him, right. That's yeah. also a factor in this. Like, like you can't just gut your whole offensive line throw all these young guys in, say, "Hey, this is gonna work," because it's not. No, it's putting it's putting a lot on Carr to live up to the idea that he deserves an extension. And honestly, like, I could see the Raiders going into the season and things kind of fall apart around Carr, and then they let him go in the offseason, or they try and trade him at midseason. Again, I don't think they'll do that, but I could see it. Um, but they'll let him go in the offseason and just try and pull the plug and start over because Gruden's like, hey, four years in, it's not working. I need a new quarterback. We'll just rebuild again from the ground up. And then right. that'll be the vision because he's trying to buy himself time at that point. Yeah. No, I, I, th- I think you nailed it. That's good. Uh, so after the Raiders, we got the Browns. I am going to probably pencil that in as a loss right now, but I hope I'm wrong. But it's one of those things. Miles Garrett, not great. That's a That's a bad matchup for Garrett Bulls. Uh, their secondary is legit. Um, I'm not that worried about Jadavion Clowney. I think again, with like a, a good coach, I think Jadavion Clowney could be a guy, but the thing with Jadavion Clowney is he's always been like, you move him around, you try and make the most of what he can do as a versatile guy. And he's a good run defender, but he's not a sack guy. He's not well, like, we try to make this out to be like, he's a former first overall pick. Look what he did to Michigan. And it's like, he's not that guy. Um, but their offense is scary. They have a really, really good offensive line. And they have the kind of offensive line that could take advantage of the Broncos playing light boxes. And that's scary. Yeah, no, totally. I, I completely agree. And just hitting on Jadavion Clowney, he's more of a disruptor than he is a pass rusher, right? 
Yeah. That, that's, that's what I always thought of him. I mean, I remember Houston lining up right over the center and just causing havoc through that way. And but, I am worried about that. I want to say I am concerned about that part of it. Yeah, if they throw him over Cushenberry, it could be a long day. Um, because but anyways, go, going back to it, the Browns are a really good team. They are a really well-built team. They're a solid team all around. There's not a lot of glaring weaknesses on that team. It just, I mean, that's a tough matchup for any team in the league. And for uh, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater going against there, against Miles uh, Garrett, Denzel Ward, I mean, they, they have a really good defense. So I also chalk that up as an L. Then you got you look at and again like I know you and I you and I are pretty out front in terms of like running back value, um, yeah. and I think we agree on this. But even with that in mind, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are one of the best backfields in football. Yeah. So that's well, like an issue. Like that on top of their offensive line, it's going to cause issues. And they're more than happy to play that bully ball game. And then they have Baker Mayfield, who's quite good on play action. Like. Say what you will about him on actual drop back, but if the, if they can stay in a close game and continue to play that kind of way, it's not great for the Broncos. The Broncos in that game, it would ver- it, it would benefit them to try and get out ahead and force the Browns to play catch up, because then yeah. Bra- then Baker's not doing what he's best at. Right, right. So after right. the Browns, oh, go ahead. No, totally. Go ahead. No worries. Uh, after the Browns, we got Washington. We got basically the NFC East. Uh, so we got Washington, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. How yeah. do you feel about that group, I guess? Because I, I don't. Out of that group, Washington probably scares me the most. Just because of going back to the Browns thing, heading they, they have a really good defense. I mean, they lost Ronald Darby, obviously, to the Broncos. But I expect Chase Young to be even better. Their defensive line is just scary, man. That Their yeah. defensive line is – they have a unit. Um, I don't think there's a good matchup really anywhere for the Broncos. I think you're on the downside of almost every battle right there. And then you have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, just like I was saying about um, our last opponent we talked about. And I, I also marked that one as an L. What did you do there? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think Washington's going to be really tough unless you can make Ryan Fitzpatrick shit his pants. Yeah. And I think that's like the big X factor. Like it's one of those games I'm going to pencil in as an L, but like I'm going to be paying close attention to how Fitzpatrick looks going into this game. Like yeah. up until this point, like keeping track of like how the line's looking. Because again, if the Broncos can get pressure on Fitzpatrick and force him to turn the ball over a couple times, they could. I think they could win this game. Like I can see how they would win this game. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the the matchups along the offensive line versus their defensive line, it's bad across. Because uh, here's the thing, and again, like I love Dalton Reisner, one of my favorite, you know, favorite players in general, but one of my favorite guards also. But he has shown over time to have issues with quicker players. And not only does Washington have those players at defensive tackle, but Jack Del Rio is going to be smart enough to move Chase Young on stunts to end up get, using Chase Young against Dalton Reisner instead of Garrett Bowles. And that's a nightmare. Uh, like you go back to last year when the Steelers did that. And again, this is something J. David Clowney could be a problem against uh, the Browns with. 
But like Dalton Reisner against that kind of speed, it's not great. Um, and granted, you know, you hope he gets better. He's gotten better against it, but the film hints that that's going to be a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're going to have to see improvement there, but yeah, that Washington defensive line, how many first round picks did they put in that? I, I want to say it like- it's four or five. I know it's a lot. Oh, they, they, they got Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and then uh Payne, Deron Payne. Yep. Yep. You're totally right. Whew. And this yeah, is, and this may very well be the last year of that line altogether, but like I think they're going to be very good because Chase Young is going to be the truth. Oh, totally, totally. And like we were talking about, all those other guys are really good football players <laughs> with Chase Young. This is a, it's a stacked group. Uh, I so the Cowboys game for me is really I think it's going to be a toss up. Mm-hmm. And and again, like this is kind of how I look at like from a, like a trying to be realistic with it. The Cowboys defense was so bad last year that just having like an adult in the room at coordinator should make it better. Like they almost have to improve. And again, I'm not saying they're going to be good, but if they go from like abysmal to like, even like bad, that offense has the pieces to be really good. Uh, And again, like this is all contingent on like Dak Prescott coming back and being Dak. But like you look at that receiving core, like even for the Broncos secondary, that's going to be a a tough matchup. I think Zeke's overrated, but like their offensive line is decent. If it's healthy, like the offense is probably going to score 21 to 30, like in that range, I would think barring, you know, again, the Broncos being like a suffocating kind of defense. And again, I'm hopeful for it, but I just think this is a tough matchup there. So I think the offense is going to have to show up for them to win the game. And that's a concern. Yeah, totally. I mean, Dallas is retooling their entire defense from like they're, they're scrapping it. I mean, you saw it with the, their first round pick in Parsons, right? They 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 had their two guys, Jalen Smith and uh, Leighton Vander Esch. It doesn't look like that's going to be the thing. And then they went and signed um, Neil as well from Atlanta, who they're also moving up to linebacker. Crowded room. DBs over there. That's going to be the question for Dallas, huh? I yeah. Mean, um, they have Trevon Diggs, who's coming in a year two. He should be better. He had an up and down season last year, from what I saw. And uh, outside of that. It, it, it's not a lot of good. So yeah, like you said, if the Broncos offense comes out and plays that game, they have they have a chance. That is one of those games where if Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater is going into this like going up to this point looking competent, I'm feeling yeah. really good. Right. If it's Aaron Rodgers, I think it's going to be an easy win personally, just because that secondary is so it, it looks weak. Um, and I don't think and like again, I think the defense is going to be better, but I don't think Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is not a savant when it comes to pass defense. Right. Uh, and I don't think he's proven to be. So it's like knowing that, like, I think their defense is going to be as good as the players and the big hole that they have is in the secondary. So like that helps unless Micah Parsons is, you know, a world beater. So I, I, I think it comes down to quarterback play. So that's why I think it's a toss up hoping for the best. I hate Jerry Jones. Um, I would love to see him lose every single game, every single season. Yeah, same. But Eagles, I think it's a win. Um, I think it's a win as well. Uh, I know that there's a big rumor right now that they may end up trading for Deshaun Watson. That's considered "quote unquote" an open secret. Is that that that's what they want to do? I don't know if it's going to happen before the season, just because again, all the allegations against them. I'm not trying to minimize or you know any of that, but just realistically, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, the, his disposition at as the time we're recording this. His disposition is set to happen after this coming Super Bowl. Word as of right now is he's not going to settle. 
Knowing that, I don't think any team is going to trade for him, but I do know that there's a lot of rumors that the Eagles want to trade for him. But if they don't, they're starting either Jalen Hurts or Joe Flacco in either one of those situations. Like, Jalen Hurts might be good in fantasy because his rushing value. I don't think he's going to be a good quarterback. And I say this as somebody who likes him as a person. He's just not accurate. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I was I was not a big Jalen Hurts fan as all, at all coming out of college. Same. Um, just not at all. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. I have the Broncos winning this game as well, as I said. I just I just don't I, – I, do you think Hurts is an upgrade from Wentz in your opinion? That's the question. That's a good question. Last year's Wentz, yes. Uh, because I think la- – like I'm, I'm actually really curious what happens with Wentz in, in Indy just because yeah. like – you watch what he did last year and it's, he looked broken mm-hmm. to the point where like I was praying against hope that the Broncos weren't going to trade for. Him. Yeah. Um, so I think like hurts rushing value and like him just being not like the thing with the thing with Wentz that really hurt him is the longer he was in the pocket, the worse he was. Yeah. And, and he didn't really bring anything in terms of like being able to escape, being able to really do anything. And then he just, basically he was over relying on his first read to the point where he didn't trust anything. And I think in those ways, I think the fact is Hertz is playing for his life. Like this is probably his one chance to prove that he should be a starter. Like most second round quarterbacks do not get the lease that drew lock is getting. And Jalen hurts has to know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's true. I, I just don't know where they got better. And if I'm picking the Broncos to beat last year's Eagles, I think I have the Broncos winning this year. I feel um, that. What do yeah. you what do you think of their defensive line? Because I got in a discussion with uh with another writer about this who he believed that the, the Eagles offensive line or defensive line was a top ten unit. And I see the names, so I get it. Like they have Fletcher Cox, they have Ryan Kerrigan, they just drafted Milton Williams, but like and Brandon Graham, obviously, and I like Brandon Graham, but like they have a lot of names that are like Fletcher Cox is getting older, and again, I'm not trying to say he's bad, but he's getting older. Brandon Graham is getting older. Milton Williams is a rookie, and generally speaking, rookie defensive tackles are not that great. Ryan Kerrigan's old, like straight up old. And again, he was decent, but like I don't think that that defensive line is that good. I think that's probably one of their best parts of their team, but at the same time, I don't think their team is very good. I think they're one of the three, four, three or four worst teams in football. Yeah, no, I, I don't doubt it, and I. I agree with you. I don't think their defensive line is that group. I mean, if you're banking on Milton Williams coming in this year and being a, con- a good contributor, I'm not exactly sure. I-, I watched his film. I wasn't the biggest fan. I thought he was a while away. I see the athleticism. I see all that, but he's not a day one contributor in my mind. And these other guys, like you said, they're getting up there in age. Um, these guys could really like care. What, what, what does Kerrigan have to do for you to have a good team? Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Well, and then you look at their secondary, and it's basically they have Darius Slay and then a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. They traded a lot for Darius Slay, too. They did. So it's just – I my brother's an Eagles fan, so that's one of the reasons why Like I, I look at this game, and it's like for his sake, I almost want this game to be interesting just because like then it's fun to like shit-talk him. Yeah, but I if the Broncos are any sort of decent, they should like so this is the whole thing. Good teams beat bad teams badly. Like, I believe that. Like, I think the the real measurement of a good team is that Um, like matchups dictate against a like if you're playing against a team who's close in talent to you, 
it comes down to matchups, luck, all that stuff and coaching, obviously. But like when you have a big gap in terms of roster talent, I think you should kick their ass. And I think the Broncos on paper have a much, much better team than the Eagles, even if they're starting Drew Locke and he's not great. Yeah. No, I totally, yeah, I agree. Um, so after that, they have the buy. I am actually, I'm one of those people. I really like watching late buys. I think that's the best way to do it. Just because if you are chasing the playoffs, you have kind of a chance to really break your season up like that. Um, like week four buys are awful in my opinion. Oh, they're the worst. I, I couldn't imagine that as a, from a player's perspective, right? Yeah. That long grueling season after that. Oof. I think like, and this is the whole thing, but like, I think as the season starts to get longer, cause I think at some point we're going to get to 18 games. I think teams almost have to have either a later buy or they have to start adding a second one somewhere just because yeah. like it's just from a realistic standpoint, I think players' bodies are going to start to break down if they, they had to play that long. Um, but after the buy, the Broncos start to get into the meat of the AFC West matchups. They have the Chargers and chiefs right away. Um, again, I want to say that the, the Broncos will beat the chargers at home and they'll probably lose to the chargers in LA, even though that's essentially a home game. But I think like, at some point, I think the Chargers might have fans, and I want to believe that this may be the year, but I might be wrong. On Twitter, you'd think that they'd have the most fans. I swear to you. <laughs> I get, well, I feel like everybody's adopted the Chargers as their second team because everybody loves Herbert. Everyone loves those powder blues, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I could see them being a fun team to root for, for sure. Uh, I, I do also have them splitting. I think both are kind of a toss-up, though. I could definitely see the Broncos winning both or losing both. As Same. Well. Like, I think both of those are a possibility. Um, I thought the Chargers killed this draft. I don't know what you thought about that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it was one of those things where I hated that they got two of the players I really liked. I did not want Slater as high as the Broncos were drafting. But I liked him, and I think he was a perfect fit for what the Chargers needed. And then, Asante, and I think you and I have talked about this a, a couple times now. I loved Asante Samuel for the Broncos defense, and the Brandon Staley defense is essentially the Fangio defense with a little bit more Saban stuff mixed in. So it's like Asante Samuel again. It may take a second because he's a rookie, but I think he's going to be very good, and I think he's going to be a playmaker. And that's like those are the guys you don't like playing against if you think you're going to have Drew Locke. Yeah. No, totally. The, the Slater and Samuel were two of my favorite players. And we did talk about this a lot with, with Samuel and Slater. We talked about a lot. Um, I thought they killed both of those. I did a lot of studying on them just as Broncos picks. I thought Samuel would have been a perfect second round pick. I thought that Slater would have been a good first round pick, honestly. So, yeah, they're definitely a really scary team going into the future. They're kind of like the Chiefs where we're going to be looking at this as – oh my gosh, this may be another L on the schedule while we're going through it 10 years down the road. It's just, it's not a fun thing uh, having all these great quarterbacks in your division. That is my big long-term concern just because I thought Staley. And again, like, yes, last year was kind of like the perfect situation for him. Like the Rams were very healthy and their stars were very healthy up until the very end. Like when Donald got hurt in the playoffs, but Staley's also a, a really, really good coach. And he's not like, yes, he's a defensive coach, but he's the kind of defensive coach that you're not worried about the fact that he's not an offensive coach, if that makes sense. Um, so like the fact that they have Herbert and Staley probably for the long term is a huge concern for me because I think at some point Staley's going to get the defense solidified. And then I think Herbert's going to be one of the 10 best quarterbacks in football, basically going forward. 
Um, I do think that this year he's going to come down a little bit on some of the air. Like, and again, like, I think this has been talked about a lot uh, on like Twitter and out there. Um, PFF, uh, I want to say it was PFF said that he was really, really good on uh, against pressure. And that's not necessarily sustainable. Like usually that's like pretty random from year to year. So I do expect that to come down a little bit, but at the same time, like Herbert was thrown out there, played very well, despite the fact that like Locke, he had no off season, he had no OTAs, he had no preseason, and he still looked like a top player. Like as he actually figures out how to play quarterback, like I'm afraid of how good he's going to be. And like, yes, the chargers have some big holes. Like they definitely do. But Jared Cook is not horrible. Like, he's a decent role player in the role that he's going to probably play for them. And you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Like, their their top receiving weapons are very good. Austin Eckler is one of the best receiving backs in football. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. No, it, I mean, you were just talking about the tight Can you imagine this division if uh, Hunter Henry resigned with all the tight ends? Crazy. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but uh, the, the Chargers – Man, they really scare me, especially the way they've been killing the draft, draft after draft. It's it's one of those things. It's all these young guys. And then we haven't even talked about um, Derwin James. If this guy can stay healthy, he's a stud. He's a, he's amazing. He's a really good safety. Now, that's a big question. At this big point. question. And it's a big question if he gets back to where he was. But if he gets back to where he was, he was the best safety in football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that, it's scary. And, then, and Joey scary. Bosa. We, we didn't even talk about Joey Bosa. <laughs> like, honestly, like one of the big things, like, this sounds horrible. Um, One of the big things that's like kind of like a reason for optimism, like at this point for me. And again, like I do think that the fact that the Chargers don't necessarily have a clean fit for what Staley wants to do could help this year. And I do think that the offensive line is going to be better, but it's not going to be good. And I think that will help the Broncos this year because they have the pieces to take advantage. But but one of the big like sneaky things I think could end up helping the Broncos a lot. The Chargers are one of the least vaccinated teams in football. We might get to this time in the season and they're missing key players just because guys got sick. And again, I'm not rooting for this. Like again, like I want to be clear to anybody listening. But like like there's a reason that the league is pushing this as hard as it is because they don't want to have to deal with players missing games. Like if Justin Herbert, well Justin Herbert's vaccinated, I want to say. But like let's say Joey Bosa misses the game cuz he's not vaccinated, like that's huge because Joey Bosa is one of the edge rushers who is so good that even as good as uh, Garrett Bowles was last year, he had a lot of issues with Bosa. Yeah, that is little any tackle in the league, really. Yeah, he's really good, like you said. I mean, he's he, if he's not the best pass rusher in the league, league, edge rusher in the league, he's at least top five. Yeah, so stud. But you're completely right. That's something that hasn't even crossed my mind. So that's interesting. I think we both agree that the Chiefs are like I'm going to pencil it in as a loss and hope I'm wrong, but I just as long as Mahomes is suiting up and like has two legs, I I'm probably not going to pick against him again, not because I'm rooting for that, but just like he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. And I'm like, again, I don't say that as somebody who likes that. It's just the truth. Oh, totally. I, I completely agree. I have both the chief games as losses in my category. And I mean, but from a fan's perspective, I want that game to be competitive so bad. I want nothing more than a Broncos Chiefs robbery. I want to be really pumped up for that game. And I think all the fans do. How fun would that be? A couple of reasons for optimism that I have for that. Just to, since we're here, mm-hmm. the Broncos in the first game against the chiefs last year. And again, I don't have the number right in front of me, but I want to say that they kept the chiefs from converting a third down. That was cool. 
Um, I thought the Broncos played them tough in the red zone for the most part. And again, like you're not going to stop the chiefs. Like what you need to do. It's like, it's like back when LeBron was in his prime, you just need to make it hard for him. And then everybody else has to do their job. And that's what happened last year is the Broncos defense did its job and the offense and special teams completely shit the bit. Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. second game, they, they played it about as close as you can. And they just, at the end of the game, they just couldn't, they couldn't bring it home. You know, totally. For what good against Patrick Mahomes looks like, Fangio has done good against Patrick Mahomes. It, it's just good against Patrick Mahomes still isn't like, hey, we're, we're, we're shutting them out. You know, it's like you said, you have to, you're limiting them. You're not, you're not stopping them. I mean, it's one of those things that he's so good that basically what you have to do is you have to play them tough and then you have to get a little lucky. And, yeah. and that's what really helped. I thought in the second Kansas city game is uh, there was a play where Tyreek Hill got wide open. Like just, he, he got open as he does got open. Bradley Chubb got pressure on Mahomes, and Mahomes was just off. So it wasn't a touchdown. And that kind of like kept the Broncos in the game. And again, up until the end and then that's all you can do. And if the Broncos play both those chiefs games like that this year, even if they lose both, if it looks close, I'm not going to get upset. Um, yeah. well, I might get upset. I, I can't promise I won't get upset, but, but if they, if they play it close, that's like, and that's honestly, that's one of the big reasons why I don't like the idea of pushing Fangio out the door just because of all the other issues. And again, I'm not saying like he has, you know, he's faultless, but Fangio's defense has played Mahomes about as tough as anybody has. Yeah. And if they're going to be the dynasty to chase for the next 10 years, like, don't you want a defense that can keep up with them? Yeah, totally. Totally. I completely agree. Life as an NFL coach isn't really fair, huh? I mean, you're asked to win with the roster the GM supplied you to win with, and the GM's not going to be wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if the quarterback situation fails Fangio at the end of the day, that could be what it is. Yep. So the good news after the Chiefs, kind of moving from the bleakness of that. Of that yeah, right, right. Uh, <laughs> The good news is after the Chiefs, the Broncos have the Lions and the Bengals and then the Raiders again. And it would not surprise me, and again, not rooting for it, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Broncos end up losing that first Chargers and Chiefs game and then they roll off three wins, Lions, Bengals, Raiders. Mm-hmm. I think the the Bengals, we might be sleeping on them a little bit just because they do have Joey, Bur- Joey Burrow. They do have like the, the weapons around him to be good. I think their defense is going to be a dumpster fire. Like their defense does not look great. I don't think their coordinator is very good. Um, their offensive line is still very, very uncertain. Um, I know it got a little bit better. Like they're trying to kind of creep back to average, but definitely a concern. Um, so like they're just overall roster talent is pretty low. So it's another one of those games where if the Broncos don't have a glaring weakness, at quarterback, I feel like they should kick the shit out of them. Yeah, I, I definitely put that as a win in my category as well. Uh, the Bengals are just a young football team and not one that I would bet on to win in a game like this. It just, it, they, they could win, but it's not one I'm putting my money on for the Bengals to win at all. And then the Broncos close with the Chargers and Chiefs again. So it's like kind of depending on how those last six games go, I feel like as long as the Broncos kind of hit the bye with like something resembling a chance at the playoffs, they have a pretty good shot. Um, but they have to kind of survive two games against the Chiefs and Chargers to close it. Yeah. Yep. And I also want to say this because I've been negative throughout. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I, I, the, I think the Broncos have a shot at making the playoffs. I think they have a phenomenal defense. I really do. I, I, I think that if they stay generally healthy, they have a top five defense, and it's the best defense McFangio has had since he had to drag Trubisky into the playoffs. So it, it could be something like that. And they could have gone even further, right, if it wasn't for a, for a kick off the upright. Yep, the, the double doink. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's – I mean, that's kind of like one reason for optimism, I guess, is – Fangio's defense has already carried Mitch Trubisky. Like how much harder can carrying like, again, like, so this kind of gets me to like my actual next question. How do you think the Broncos quarterback situation plays out? If Aaron Rodgers does not get traded. And I want, I want to preface this with, so a couple weeks ago, I asked Twitter, um, if Broncos fans believe it's an open competition between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, because when the Broncos traded for Teddy Bridgewater, it was definitely sold as an open competition. Um, Fangio has come out and said, basically both players are going to start 50% of the snaps in the preseason. So I'm kind of curious how many reps uh, Brett Rippon's going to get, but that's a whole nother thing. But, but basically those two supposedly are splitting the job evenly. I personally believe it's an open competition. 72% of the people I asked said they thought it was Julak's job to lose. Where do you land on that? See, I, 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 I'm taking the opposite stance there. I don't think it's Drew Locke's job to lose. I think it's a quarterback battle. I think Vic Fangio is coaching for his job, and I think that Teddy, in my personal opinion, I think Teddy Bridgewater gives the Broncos the best, uh, the best option to. He's the best option to win, in my opinion, and that's just what I think. I wonder. I guess I could see the reasoning why everyone thinks it's Locke's job to lose. Um, if you believe that he simply has more upside and he has, if he has a shot at being a franchise quarterback, uh, then I could see you want sit going that way, but that's just not my personal opinion. So, uh, so I'm not trying to make you a hater. So I, I just want to like, I want to try and say that cause I'm not trying to like steer you into this. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with and, and i know like you've probably seen this because I've, I've been doing this on twitter too much probably i like other than like the hope part of it i don't see the ground for the idea that drew lock has this high upside other than he has a strong arm and again like i'm not saying I, like i'm not trying to hate lock here like i hope that he proves me wrong he turns into a hall of fame quarterback and everybody gives me shit forever because i was wrong on him like i'm totally cool with that like honestly it's worth it if he's good at the same time, when I have watched him, he has issues with footwork. He has issues with pre-snap reads. He has issues with post-snap reads. He doesn't throw with anticipation. He doesn't have consistent accuracy. He doesn't have good ball placement. He doesn't always make the right decisions. Like, and again, I'm not trying to beat up on him. That's just the truth of what I see. So like when the Broncos brought in Teddy Bridgewater, the way I looked at it was the hope, if it's an open competition, is either Teddy Bridgewater just clearly wins the job because he's an NFL quarterback, or Drew Locke makes a big enough leap that he is at least an average NFL quarterback because that's what I believe Teddy Bridgewater is. People think I'm like, and again, like I know I get this because the character limit on Twitter, I do not think Teddy Bridgewater is a hall of fame or like a good quarterback. And I'm not saying he's bad, but I think he's average. I think he's right around what we expected uh, Alex Smith to be. Yeah. And then best case scenario, the Broncos supporting cast is good enough that we see the best version of him. But here's the thing. The Broncos quarterback situation has been so abysmal since Peyton Manning retired that Teddy Bridgewater being average is the best quarterback Broncos country has seen 
since Peyton Manning. So to me, the fact that we have just refused to, the fact that we have just refused to accept that Teddy Bridgewater may be that guy is mind numbing to me. I don't understand it. And like, and again, like, I don't want to get you, you know, sucked into this too much, but it's like, there are so many stats kind of pointing out beyond what I just said. So like film to some degree is subjective. I know at the end of the day, like the film doesn't lie, but people try and spin it based on what they see. And I get that. I'm not necessarily trying to beat up on lock, but if somebody just is adamant that I am like, they won't see it. But the thing is like, you look at the stats, I, other than big time throw rate. And I, I talked to Seth Glean about this. It's not sustainable. Like he, he has said like year to year, that stat fluctuates very widely. Like maybe locks an outlier, but normally that stat does not stay. So if you're not counting on that, there is not a real statistical argument that Drew Locke was any sort of promising last year. So to me, and again, I, I'm not, I feel like I'm burying him now. So I'm, 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 I apologize. But like, for me, it's like, if it's an open competition, unless like COVID was just that disruptive, I don't see how Locke has a chance. Yeah. And you know, I think how people look at it is it's kind of like when you play Madden and then you go through the season, right. And all your young guys automatically, no matter what they go up like three overall, it doesn't matter the situation. And then you start looking, Oh, he has a big arm and he's still young. So there's still potential there. And you know, three years down the road, he could be this. That's, I think that's kind of the thought process. And I'm glad you bring that up. Cause I want to say in Madden, I would draft Drew Locke in a heartbeat because that's yeah. exact. He's exactly the type of player. Like I tend to avoid the very, very highly draft. Like, so here's it's a whole, you know, tangent. When I play Madden, usually each year I do fantasy drafts. So I like rebuild the team, how I want to build the team. Anyway, I tend to avoid taking a, a very early quarterback because in Madden, it's so easy to turn a quarterback good. So what I do is I grab a toolsy guy late and then I turn him good. Drew Locke is the perfect kind of guy because he would go pretty late right now as a big arm because arm strength is usually the hardest stat to actually get up. And then everything else will build up over time. So like I, I get that, but it's like the linebacker with speed thing. Like the NFL isn't like that. I know you know this, but it's like the NFL is not like that. And I have now talked to, I've talked to Tim Jenkins. I have talked to Seth Galina and I've talked to Derek Klassen. And none of them have really, and again, I'm not trying, I, I apologize, dear listener. I am not trying to bury Drew Locke. If you like Drew Locke, I like Drew Locke. He's a good guy. But when I've talked to people who like really know quarterback stuff, no one is really like Tim Jenkins has painted like the most optimistic picture, but even that is basically like he expects Teddy Bridgewater to win the job. Like the only people that seem adamant about Drew Locke winning the job right now are diehard Bronco fans and the local media. And again, I'm not trying to hate on them, but like the coverage seems to point to Drew Locke as going to be the guy. And I get that that reflects like where Broncos country is at. But I think like if it's an open competition, it's almost definitely going to turn into Bridgewater's job. And the bad, like the bad news is those of you who are just diehard Locke fans are probably going to be broken hearted about this. And I apologize. Like, I'm not trying to be the bear of bad news. The good news is I think Teddy Bridgewater is good enough that if the rest of the roster is healthy, and develops as hoped, I think that this team could push into the playoffs, like legit push into the playoffs. And if things bounce their way, they could win a couple playoff games, maybe even really surprise people. I'm not saying it's likely, but I'm saying like they could do it. So like, I think that we need to eventually get around to this idea that like Teddy Bridgewater is not the end of the world. Like we were kind of like accepting this as like, Oh, we know his ceiling. He's bad. It's like, dude, he's a, he's a facilitator. Like, yeah. 
Case Keenum got the vice or, or not Case Keenum. Uh yeah, no, never mind. I'm full of shit. Case Keenum, Case Keenum got the Vikings to the NFC Championship game with a, lo- a loaded roster. I think Teddy Bridgewater could do that if the rest of the roster does its part. Oh, totally. It's 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 crazy how it's become such an afterthought to me. Like it's something that hasn't nice. even like it's something that really isn't even thought about. Like, oh, the possibility of Teddy Bridgewater even winning. It, it's crazy. It's something that's not discussed. Um, and I think he does better with the receivers on the roster. I think the receivers then start to look good if you can get a quarterback that can throw them a ball on time accurate and let them take advantage of other things like yards after catch. Um, reasons why we drafted these guys so early. Yeah, well, and and again, like if Drew Locke starts, I hope that he developed at least that. Just because, like, the, the, the Jerry Judy versus Drew Locke thing last year was exhausting. And I really don't – I just don't want to do that again. And one of the big issues – and, again, I'm not saying Jerry Judy's faultless in this, but, like, one of the big issues Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler even more so dealt with was the fact that Drew Locke was not throwing them very many passes on horizontal leading routes, which meant that they didn't have very many opportunities to make plays after the catch, which is, again, as you just said, that's why they were drafted in the first and second round. Yeah. Like, they need a quarterback that does that. Yeah, that's like my biggest pet peeve that's been going on recently is the the idea that every receiver on the Broncos should be Cortland Sutton or should be able to make plays like Cortland Sutton. That's like, not how the NFL works. No, you draft these guys. These guys can win in different ways, right? And because of that, you need a quarterback that can then enhance that skill, right? Because it all runs through the quarterback. Yep. So if you can't, the receiver's not going to be able to showcase why you drafted him that early. It's just been frustrating. No, I agree. And it, it's one of those things like, so one of the big kind of like dings on Teddy Bridgewater. And again, I think in some degree it's, it's fair. The arm strength concerns, he's going to have a boring arm. Like it's, it's not, it's not exciting. Um, I think it's good enough. I think it's NFL caliber. Um, the big concern and like, people are going to probably bitch about this if he starts there are going to be times where a receiver gets open deep and he'll still take the underneath stuff. Um, that was like a thing that like my hope is he gets better about that. Like similar to like Alex Smith. Um, and like, there's no, like there's not like a reason that he does it beyond that. He's happy to take the sure thing. And, and to that point, like drew Brees made a living off it. So like, I get it. I think Teddy Bridgewater needs to open up more to be good. And I hope he does. And I think if he does, the Broncos will probably extend him after this year if that's the route they go. Um, and again, I'm not trying to say I'm rooting for that. It's just I, I kind of see how that could play out. Um, but that's, yeah, that's kind of where I land on the current quarterback situation. Um, but I like I said, I think Aaron Rodgers ends up in, in Denver. Um, and I also think if Aaron Rodgers ends up in Denver, they're one of the two best teams in the AFC. Yeah, no, I completely agree. If Aaron Rodgers ends up in Denver, man, like that thought hasn't gotten old at all. In my no, head. it'll in never while. get old. Like it, it'll never, get old never. if he doesn't come and he retires. Like that's the only yeah. way I'm going to get tired of this. Yeah, no, exactly. Because the idea is just so exciting. I mean, this guy's coming off an MVP and we've had all this quarterback discussion. If it just led to Aaron Rodgers at the end, that would be a pretty exciting thing. Oh man, I I was looking at so I have a an Excel document with all the Broncos like the depth chart, and I yeah. keep waiting for Aaron Rodgers just so I can put Rodgers in, just like ah, <laughs> just geek out. Um, but no, so one of the things with Aaron Rodgers, and I think that this is kind of like a good segue this way though. Um, and again, please let me know if I'm keeping you too long too. I know I I tend to do this because I just enjoy talking. So, yeah. but let me know if I am. 
Um, but one of the things with Aaron Rodgers and like back before the allegations of sexual misconduct and all that stuff against Deshaun Watson, there's been a lot of discussion. This is, first of all, this is the weirdest off season I've ever covered. Um, just because this whole time we're like looking at the Broncos roster with the idea that George Payton may very well trade a bunch of players to acquire a quarterback. And one of the things that this brought me back to, like when I, when we were kind of like talking about, you know, hopping on is before the draft, um, George Payton called Bradley Chubb and Cortland Sutton core guys. And, and I quote, they're two of our core guys and we want them here a long time. We're not going to address that until after the draft. We're strictly focused on the draft, but those are two of our guys. They have since, uh, given Bradley Chubb the fifth year option. I don't think that they're going to do anything with Cortland Sutton's contract until like they see him at least in camp. And I honestly, from Cortland Sutton's perspective, like I wouldn't extend, I wouldn't not extend unless I know it's like a market rate deal. And I yeah. don't expect the Broncos to offer him a market rate deal until he's playing games and looks like 2019 Cortland Sutton. Um, just because like the knee injury is a big enough deal. Um, but that said, like if Cortland Sutton gets back to 2019 for him, he's a $20 million receiver in my mind. I mean, but the, the ho- people are forgetting the hopes that we had for him going into last year, right? I thought he was the second best player on the roster. Yeah, no, he's he's a really really good football player, and if he gets back to a hundred percent, I actually wrote about this a little bit. I mean, it he has true um, number one wide receiver potential, and that helps everybody else on the roster eat. Everybody else on in the receiving uh, core, I mean, eat. So he, he's definitely a core piece in my mind if he then becomes healthy. So kind of like segueing off of that, what other players kind of stick out to you as core players? Um, mm-hmm. Cause the first one that comes to mind when you were just saying how Cortland Sutton was the number one, what I love so much about the Broncos current roster is I think Jerry Judy is too. Like they're very different. Like I'm not saying that they're the same player. I know a lot of people don't like that, but, but they complement each other very well. Jerry Judy also has inside outside potential. Again, I know like the whole hands discussion. And I do think he's always going to have some drops. Like I'm not saying, I don't think it's going to be an issue like last year, but I do think like we're always going to have to deal with that to some point. I hope it doesn't turn into a DT situation just because I thought that was, that was garbage. Um, but he's such a good separator and it's like, you can't, you can't ask for more from that. Like he, he's, he's elite. He was elite as a rookie, as a, as a, with his separation quickness. And yes, he has to get better at timing that up with the offense, but the tools are there for him to be an elite player. So I think he's a core guy. I, I, I agree. I have Judy on there. For sure I have Judy on there. He, he, I also hope that he does not become in that same situation as DT where the fans are just ripping him. And like we t- touched on earlier, having a big catch radius and bringing in balls that are outside your frame and all this other stuff isn't the reason why you drafted Jerry Judy. In the oh. first so expecting him to be this guy, Calvin Johnson, it's just not going to happen. Well, it's one of those things that, and again, Madden does this too. So like, and again, I understand why people, I play a lot of Madden, so I get it. No. You draft wide receivers thinking like, yes, this is what they're good at. But then like over time in Madden, they essentially become, if they're good, they become like good at everything. Mm -hmm. In the NFL, most receivers have holes in their game. Like, except for the very, very top guys. And honestly, even most of them do like Tyree kill is not a complete receiver. He's a very good receiver and the things he's good at, he's a lead at, but like, he's not a contested catch guy that you want to throw deep downfield in situations where he has to win jump balls. 
Jerry Judy is also not a guy that you want him trying to win jump balls downfield. Yes, I saw the Jets game. But that's still not his game. Like, that's not what you drafted him to do. You drafted him to win underneath, create yak, separate and create. Yeah, like, so, like, it's a perfect compliment. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But if you're, if you're expecting Jerry Judy to suddenly become Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick, like you're never going to be happy with him. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think... I think part of the the issue there too is that you know the saying if you get two hands on the ball it's a catch, which is you know? crap. I just want to say oh, that's my. no. So yeah. here here's another thing. And again, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. And again, I'm not trying to suddenly dog him by any means. Yeah. You know how Tim Patrick has that stat like he has no drops. Yeah. Do you realize how subjective that is? Oh my gosh! I have drops. watched cause, well because like I was doing a receiver breakdown you know a couple weeks ago or like couple. I I was doing the receiver breakdown. I was looking at I was looking at uh what was I looking at? I was looking at Albert O, is who I was watching. And then all of a sudden I saw a pass to Tim Patrick and it went through his hands. Like it definitely went through his hands. And it was not a drop because it was credited to the quarterback. And again, I think it's fair. But like this idea that because Tim Patrick didn't drop a pass last year, he just has the perfect hand. And again, I'm not saying his hands are bad, but like this idea that because he had zero drops, he will never drop another pass is garbage. And people are, and I only say this because if he drops a pass this year, people are going to lose their minds because the expectation. That's why I say this, not to dog him, but because I think it's unfair to use a stat like that to then kind of like deify a player. Because if you look back to 2019, and Tim Patrick was pretty good in 2019, his Kansas City game in 2019, he had a couple really bad drops. Like it happens. Like, no one's perfect receiver. Like you, you go back and again, I know you know this. I'm sorry if I'm ranting at you, oh, you're all good. but like you look at like even the top receiver, like Stefan Diggs had drops last year. Like yeah. it happens. Yeah, no, it totally does. It totally does. The two, the two hands on the ball thing is it's crazy. It's a, it's a nice thing to tell um, high school players to get them going, you know, yeah. but it's not an actual thing that you, that you evaluate receivers by or, evaluate the quarterback by even more like that's what i keep seeing but anyways <laughs> so one other core player obviously for me i think justin simmons uh right now i consider justin simmons until we see what vaughn and Cortland sutton can do i think justin simmons is currently the best player on the broncos roster um and i know i am very early on this because like it's early if justin simmons can maintain what he has done for the last two years i think he's on a hall of fame track Ooh. no you hey if he for how long? I mean, he's got to do it for a while. Like, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying he can retire in two years and he's in, but like, I think that's the level he is playing at right now. And he's young enough that if he, and, and the other thing is safeties tend to play, if they're good and they have the health luck, they tend to last and be very good players. And his game looks like it will age pretty gracefully. Like again, as of now, it's easy, you know, easy to say that now, but like, I do think he could be on that track. Um, probably has to play to like 33 ish and the Broncos probably need to be viable in some of those years. 
But no. again, if he plays at this rate and continues to do it over the next like five, six years, I think he can make a push. Yeah, no. And I, I think if we're talking foundational pieces, he's pretty much the definition of foundational piece. He's a guy you just extended for this. He is on the pay. Uh, his on the field play speaks for itself while his off the field st- is, is fantastic as well. So he's, he's textbook foundational piece in my mind. That was one of the reasons I got so upset about the discussion around him last year when he got franchise tagged. Like yeah. I know like at the time it was like a hot button issue, but like mm-hmm. the fact that Elway tried to lowball him and then they, like there was this uncertainty hanging over him all year. Like to me, it was just, yeah. that was one of those things like George Payne in my mind really won some brownie points with me just because like, yes, it's a slam dunk move. You have to do it, but like Elway didn't do it. So like the fact that Payne came in and kind of corrected that mistake, I do appreciate that for sure. No. Yeah. And there's some, there's, there's a value to treating your players, right? Yes. Yeah, so especially a guy like, like, again, he's everything you want to play. He's drafted by you. Third round pick a, a plus character, like as good as you get by all reports that we have ever seen. And as I just said, he's about as good a player as you're going to find. Mm-hmm. Um, the and only real hang up you have is the fact he plays safety. But like in today's NFL, safeties are growing in importance. And you look at the Fangio system, safeties are very important. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. So, I mean, you saw the Broncos draft two and bring in another in free agency, retain one. It, it speaks volumes to how important it is. Definitely. Uh, one other player for me, uh, obviously, I think Patrick Sertan, the fact that they picked him over Justin Fields automatically makes him a core player. Yeah, yeah no, totally. <laughs> I completely agree. They, they obviously loved him, right? Yeah. I mean, they had trade down offers as well. Yep. So, I, mean, I don't think we talk about that enough either. Like, I know you and I have talked about this a few times, but like, yeah. it like as a general narrative of uh, like the fact that the Bron- and it, it in a way it sucks for Patrick Sertan because if he is not like a Hall of Fame level player and either Fields, Jones are good, or that like the Broncos can't find a quarterback down the road because of the trade, no trade down, like all that stuff ends up getting kind of circled around on him. And it's not his fault at all. But no, at the same I time, like I love him as a player and I think he's going to be very, very good. Yeah, you're 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 a hundred percent right. The value they put on him was insane. Like yeah. it's like the meet the expectation is going to be really tough. But I, I I'm not mad at the player at all. I I really uh, like Patrick Sertan. So. so who is one other that stands out? So I've said uh, right now. I think you and I agree on uh, Colton yeah, Sutton, Bradley Chubb, Jerry Judy, and I would say Sertan and Simmons. Yeah, I have Chubb in there. As well, I think he's a core guy for me. Um, and my other one I have on there, I have two more. I have okay. two more. I have Phantom Bulls. Okay, that's fair. I also have Phantom Bulls. Uh, okay. How good? So I, I, I'm curious where you land on Bulls specifically, just because I was kind of like, like Locke, I was kind of like the lead hater on Bulls for a good while. And I want to say I have admitted I was wrong that he made the jump. Um, the big thing that I missed on, and I, like I've gone back and tried to think about this a lot, I underestimated how he was fitting the timeline for development for tackles. Like he he broke out in year four. Um, one of the reasons I did that is because he came into league so old. I thought that his development timeline was going to be a little bit weird. Um, and also, like I didn't buy the PFF narrative that he was turning it on in 2019. Just because, like, when I went back over the tape, it still looked against Max Crosby and against the Browns with uh, Olivier Vernon. 
I thought he was still having a lot of issues with his hands. Um, and again, like that still shows up some last year. Like I'm not saying he's perfect now. And I also know that like holding league wide went down last year. But the other thing is there's a decent chance it continues because the league wants scoring. So like that to me is not like a huge concern until we see it's a concern. Um, but like, how good do you think bulls can be like realistically going forward? That's tough. Do I think he can take another step forward to become better than he was last year? Uh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I'm not, again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I, so like one of the things that's really interesting to me is like, I, I keep up with Brandon Thorne. Uh-huh. Um, and again, like if you, those of you listening, like Brandon Thorne, if you don't follow him, go follow him on Twitter. Like he's like yeah. the offensive line guy. Um, like Brandon Thorne has not really, like he's been supportive of bulls. Like, so I don't want to say it like that, but like for, for the fact that he got an all pro last year, like Thorne hasn't been coming out and being like, yes, he's like one of the best players in football either. So like that, that to me is like notable because if yeah. he, if he did, Thorne is also a Broncos fan. Like if Bulls had come out and become like one of the two or three best tackles in football, we would know about it from Thorne as well. And he hasn't. So I get that he had an all pro. And again, I'm not trying to like douse on him, but like, I think he's going to be a good tackle. I think like, and, and I think the way you kind of look at tackles, is like, is he good? Yes. Um, like, I think, I, I think I've talked about, sorry. I think I've talked to you about this before. Um, way back when I did scouting Academy, uh, the way I kind of was taught scouting, kind of boils down to guys you that win guys you win because of guys that you can win with guys that you can win uh in spite of guys you can't win with um and i think bulls is one of those guys you can get win with going forward i don't know necessarily if he's ever gonna be one of those like top three guys in terms of like the joey bosa matchup that we mentioned yeah. i don't think he's ever gonna be able to erase joey bosa granted i don't know how many players really can um, so like, that's like, it might be unrealistic to expect him to become that good, but I think against the vast majority of edge rushers, he'll probably be a fair battle. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The reason I put him there is one, the extension they gave him. So he's clearly some sort of building block. Yeah. Right. Well, and I agree and- with you for all, for all intents and purposes, I do think he's a core player. So I don't, I don't want you to think I'm disagreeing with you there at all. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and then Two, um, you know, you bring up an interesting point. With that's something I'm gonna have to think more about. Is can you take another step forward? I'm not exactly sure because you came into the league at an older age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all all of this plays a factor. I think I still have him as a core guy, but you do bring up an interesting point. I think the premium position also gives him a boost up. I think yeah, me too. Have a good player at a premium position that's worth more. So mm-hmm. that puts it up there for me. One other thing I think that will help him probably in time is Dalton Reisner is entering year three. And I yeah. think as Dalton Reisner gets better, it's going to help Bulls look better just mm-hmm. because he is not going to have to kind of like last year, there were times where Garrett Bulls was making no offense Dalton Reisner right when he was blocking, which is awesome to watch. Like after like yeah. his first couple years in the league to see him turn around and kind of be the guy that's like acting as like a stabilizing force was awesome. Um, and again, I'm not trying to bag on Dalton Reisner either, but like Dalton Reisner had some issues last year. Like he had struggles and granted, like Lloyd Cushenberry struggles really hurt, really hurt Reisner. 
But but I think as like the interior offensive line gets better, it's going to help Bowles look better. Um, and again, th- if if Garrett Bowles turns into a top ten tackle, even if he's like eighth, like perennially, I'm cool with that. Like after like what he started at, for him to be a top ten tackle, like if the other pieces around him are good, like that's good enough. And the Broncos contract to him is not so onerous that if he doesn't become a top tackle, you're like hating it. Like that deal is pretty good. Yeah, no, I listen, you gotta, you gotta secure your tackles. It's just a position that's so hard to find right now. You can look at 32 teams and pretty much 32 teams need a tackle. That's why I've been, that's why I've been so vocal about the fact that Peyton passed on tackles. Yeah. Because it's so hard to find them. You got to take them when you have a chance at them. Mm -hmm. Especially when you have a, amazing offensive line coach that you can then develop said player with. Yep. Uh, so Noah Fant, I agree with you. And uh, so Noah Fant is interesting in a lot of ways to me because analytics, and again, I keep up with a lot of this stuff. Analytics hates first round tight ends. Like it's, it's like adamant that you don't draft tight ends in the first round because most of the best tight, like Travis Kelsey was a later round pick. Darren Waller was a later on pick. And granted, Darren Waller is like kind of an outlier. He's an exception in a lot of ways because he yeah. almost ended up out of the league. But still, like a lot of the good tight ends were not first round picks. But that said, I was pretty okay with Noah Fant being drafted when he was. First of all, the trade down helped. But also, like, he's like he blurs the lines in some ways because he's so athletic. Um, and granted, I thought Rich Gangarello. I had some issues with the fact that they tried to turn him into George Kittle, but I also think it helped him like now, like I think he's a better blocker. Like I don't think he's ever going to be TJ Hawkinson or George Kittle, but I think he's a good enough blocker that you can run him as a blocker. And he's an elite player after the catch. He's another one of those players that I think as the Broncos quarterback situation gets better, we will appreciate how good he is because one of the things that really hurt him last year, first of all, the injuries, but also like, to accommodate Locke, Pat Shermer ran a lot of sit routes with tight ends. Like basically they were turning and turning to the quarterback. And again, those of you listening, a sit route is exactly how it sounds. A receiver will run a few yards, turn around and just face the quarterback, put his hands up. So basically the quarterback is just throwing to a bucket. What that does is it makes it very, very hard to generate yards after the catch because your back is turned to the defense. You have to turn around and then run. Yeah. Yeah, no, Fant, I, I completely agree. He's another one of those guys, like you said, that will benefit from his quarterback, as is any uh, receiving option in the league, right? They all benefit from whoever the quarterback is because it's just that important, the quarterback position. Um, there's no way around it. Fant is interesting as far as the draft pick you were talking about. It, so it makes me wonder, like, I think we're just drafting the wrong players in the wrong places. <laughs> like, if I just drafted Kelsey and Waller and Kittle in the first round, is it still a bad pick? I, I'm not – I'm that's a, that's a nerd discussion. Like, that's that's one of those things, like, we'll have to get somebody on and talk about it with them. But, yeah, like, I, but I'm, with, I'm with you on that. Like, because here's the other part of that discussion that, like, I think – and, again, I think people are starting to come around to it, but still the numbers aren't quite caught up yet. So, like, there's, like – I keep up with a lot of analytics guys. There's the analytics guys that can like think beyond what the numbers say. And there's people that are very by the book by the book. will tell you, you do not draft tight ends the first round. I get that argument at the same time. The, the, uh, the amount of elite tight ends in the league 
there is not 32 tight ends that are actually difference makers in the passing game. And most tight ends, you either have to pick your poison. Are they a halfway decent receiver or they have to be a decent uh, blocker? The Broncos, and again, if, if everything kind of goes their way, are going to have two guys who are very good at both. Um, and Noel Fant, the fact that Noel Fant is a good receiver, very good, like a better blocker than he gets credit for. I would call him a solid blocker is how I would consider him. Mm-hmm. And he's an elite athlete. It's like the big thing. Like I remember the Browns game his rookie year. Like, get him the ball and like let him run. He's going to get downfield. And those guys are difference makers. Like that's what Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey do. And the thing that like we're kind of like overlooking in all this, Travis Kelsey, I want to say he's 32. Darren Waller's 28. So like he's not old yet. But tight ends tend to kind of like they get to about 30 and they start to lose their legs. Kelsey hasn't yet. Like I'm not saying he did. But like Noah Fant is young. I want to say he's 24, 25. I'm not looking at it. So like the Bronx. Go ahead. Sorry. I think it's I think it's 24. So like he probably has six years, like at least. Like that's and again, like I'm then you think about the fact that the Broncos have those questions at quarterback and a tight end is generally a quarterback's best friend because they're so good at just there's so many ways to get the ball to them in easy spots that it makes a quarterback's life easier. Um there's a reason that like like you look at uh Sean McVay, there, there's a reason they invested in tight ends to try and help Jared Goff survive. So I, I like that pick a lot more than the numbers would suggest. And I like, and this is like, you know, blasphemous to a lot of people. I think Pat Shermer does a good job with tight ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We saw it with Evan Ingram, right? Yeah. But, uh, but, and also just on that tight ends usually take a while to develop. And yes. it's not something that you just come in and are immediately awesome at because you're learning two skill sets. You're learning blocking and receiving a lot of the time. It's a it's a tough thing to get on the field <laughs> if you really struggle in an area. So well, I think you're right. oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just about to say. I think you're right about the blocking. It helped him in the long run. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things. Like in college, and I know I know no fan was at Iowa, but like in college, generally, if you're a good receiver and you're a tight end, you're not going to be blocking very much. Yeah. Or on the other side of it, we uh we have a uh, Sean Byer. Sean Byer was a good, good blocker, and he's an undrafted free agent. If you guys like just signed, if you those of you who don't know Sean Byer yet, he basically didn't catch the ball like at all, which isn't to say he can't do it, but they just never used him for it. So like we don't really know if he's a good receiver yet. So like he's gonna if he if he sticks to the roster, he's gonna have some growing to do in that aspect. That's how tight end is though. Like it's it's really hard for a guy to kind of like be well rounded. Yeah, totally. Um, so one other core guy I have, and this is like a, like a star asterisk type thing. If Von Miller is tw- 2019 Von Miller, I consider him a core guy and I hope the Broncos extend him. I do not think it's going to happen, but I hope that happens just because, and I get that the, like the general narrative about Von Miller. And I think you and I kind of see eye to eye on this. The general narrative on Von Miller was that because his sack numbers were not like, like really eye popping, he had a down year. And, and I've tried to say this at like every opportunity. Von Miller had more pressures than like, I want to say it was the seventh best in the league. And after Bradley Chubb went down, it was basically Von Miller and a bunch of no, like not nobodies like Shelby Harris. I want to say he had 24 pressures. Malik Reed was a rookie. And I want to say he had, I think 18, but I might be wrong, but, but Von Miller had more than twice the pressures of any other pass rusher on the Broncos in 2019. And he was their pass rush. Like, the Broncos entire pass rush was built around him. Like go back and watch the Vikings game from that year. And like, 
he was dominant. And, yeah. and then and some of those things, like if you can keep that guy and he's still that guy, I would gamble on that. Granted, again, you want the guarantees and I, I want the Broncos to make a smart decision for themselves. But if he still looks like that guy this year, I hope you extend it because on top of what I just said, he's an elite run defender and he's a core guy in the locker room. Like he has helped Bradley Chubb get better. He has helped Malik Reed get better. You look at Shaq Barrett, you can see elements of Vaughn's game in Shaq Barrett's rush plan. Like oh, he has made a difference for everybody. He ends up coming across it. He's a guy you want in your locker room. Yeah, I think that's the most underrated part of Von Miller. I, 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 I've been trying to speak about that as well. I mean, there, there's a value, and there's not like a statistic you can put on it or yeah. anything like that, but I'm pretty confident there's a value of having a Super Bowl MVP in your locker room. I'm pretty confident, like, the respect that guy gets and um, just what he's seen in the league, there's a value to that. Mm-hmm. And it, on top of that, like you said, he's an amazing football player. He really is. I have him on my list as a foundational piece, but with a question mark next to him. Same. Just, and the only reason I do that is because he's on the last year of his deal and he's getting up there in age. And um, and I had this fear in 2019, actually, because I remember this discussion. I don't remember how this discussion came up. Um, at one point, somebody asked me if I thought Chris Harris or Von Miller's game would age better. Yeah. And at the time, I thought Chris Harris, because Chris Harris's game is built around his like mental acuity as much as anything. Yeah. Um, and then he took a step back, like clearly. Um, whereas Von Miller is a speed rusher. So like I had concerns, like as he ages, if he loses a little bit of that explosiveness, what does he do? I think he could still be a very good player, but if he starts to lose that, how much is he going to earn on a contract and how much does he think he's going to earn? And I think that could end up being an issue for the Broncos. Um, but I, again, I hope it ends up turning into, he sticks around until he retires. Like, I hope he never wears another Jersey. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's what I'm rooting for. That, that, that's my dream. Like I said, my favorite player. I wore 58 all through high school, all of that, every sport, my favorite player. So I, I hope so as well. He is the one player that precedes me like working as a Broncos analyst. So like, I still have like, just like the feels for him. So like, it's just a thing. Um, I think the Broncos also consider Dalton Reisner a foundational player. I don't know if I agree with this. Um, and again, I'm not, again, I'm not, some people listening will say that, hear that and think I'm trying to hate on him. I'm not trying to hate on him. But you see, he's a guard. Um, as of now, he has not blossomed into like a top tier guard. Like he's a good guard. Like I'm not saying he's bad, but like he's not the kind of guy I would want to give like 15 million dollars to. Um, he could become that guy, and I believe that. I oh, I hope he does. Um, but it's the same reason why when people are saying like he should play tackle, it's like no, he should not. He has clear weaknesses that you do not want him on the edge being exposed to. Yeah, totally. I have a question for you. Do you, does position matter at all into your who's a foundational piece? I think so. Uh, so, like when I do this kind of thing, I try to look at it like if I was a GM, here are the guys that like. And again, like people get mad about this too. I try to. I do this in Madden. Like I try to like look at Madden. Like when I'm building my team, similar to how I would try to approach building it if I was doing same thing. It's one of the reasons why I love doing offseason stuff for for Broncos. Um, so like the fact that he's a guard to me, like there's a certain number that I would be very hesitant to go over and retaining him. And that to me makes me question if I think he's a core player because like Von Miller, if Von Miller looks like 2019 Von Miller, I would be willing to pay him the top edge market. I'd be very, I'd be very leery about his age. So I'd try and protect myself, but like the number, like you drop it on Twitter and he's like, Oh man, he made, you know, however much money. Like, I don't care about that. Like if it's that guy. 
Um, same thing with Bulls. Like his contract came off to me as a steal because it was like I thought the Broncos were gonna have to pay more. Yeah. Um, Justin Simmons, same thing. Um, and again, like I think if Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton both develop into who I think they're going to, they're top tier receivers, and you pay those guys what top tier receivers earn. I don't really care like about the budget part. You'll make it work because they're that good. Dalton Reisner, he's very good on gap concepts. The fact that he's so good at lead blocking, I think is why the Broncos will consider him a foundational player, especially if they keep Munchak, regardless of what happens with Fangio. If Munchak sticks around, and like there's a decent reason to believe he will because his family's in Denver. So like I think that that ends up being, as long as the Broncos don't fire him, I don't think he's looking for another job. If he's sticking around, the Broncos' run game will probably be sort of a variant of what we're seeing right now with a lot of gap, mixing zone into it. On gap concepts, Dalton Reisner is really important because he can pull and he's so good as a lead blocker. The issues that you have with him in pass pro, to me, have to improve if you're going to pay him a top guard market deal. Um, yeah. And I hope they do, but like my big concern with that is his foot speed. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, exactly. I was looking at his uh, relative athletic score the other day, and it, it it wasn't the most impressive number. I was just comparing Quinn Miner's number to the rest of the offensive line, and yeah, it, it wasn't that impressive number. Um, I have another one for you. Do you think Peyton believes Javante Williams is a core player? Yes. Yeah, I. I, I don't know. Um, but jo- but right before the draft started, Josina Andrews came out saying basically like, "There's a team." that basically thinks that Javante Williams is like Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. I can't, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but like, like all these things. And it was kind of like, it sounded ridiculous. And then the Broncos trade up for him. I was like, Oh my God, the Broncos are that team, aren't they? And again, I love Javante Williams, like as a player, as a prospect, but yeah, I, I believe that George Payton does not agree with analytics when it comes to running back value. And I think that the Broncos are going to treat Javante Williams like he is a core piece if he's any sort of good granted, I expect him to be very good. So I will probably bitch about it, but I will probably at least sort of understand it because I am, I'm pretty optimistic about what he's going to look like, but yeah, I believe the Broncos probably think he's a core piece. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. Just, just showing what, what they traded up to get him kind of indicates that. Yep. Um, Are there any other players that you think the Broncos think are core players that we didn't list? I, I only listed Reisner and Javante Williams as two guys I think that Peyton believes are core players. So then with that in mind, kind of like keeping the core players in mind, because I think the the, Bron- the the core players that the Broncos agree with us on, and again, I think Von Miller is probably the one exception. Yeah. Knowing that, what positions really stand out to you? Obviously quarterback, but beyond quarterback, what positions really stand out to you as like in need of a core guy? Because I think, like, realistically, you want, like, 11-ish, maybe a couple more. Like, you want core guys. Like, these are blue-chip players that you believe are foundations of your roster. Mm-hmm. In, in, in a lot of ways, because the Broncos have so many one-year contract guys right now, I think that they're low on this because I think a lot of these guys are transient. I think Kyle Flores is here for a year. I like Kyle Flores, but I don't think he's staying past Fangio, first of all. But I also think if he plays really well, He's going to go try and cash in somewhere else. And I don't think the Broncos are going to pay him because they just drafted Sertan. Yeah. Same with Bryce Callahan. Um, yeah, no, cornerback is definitely up there. I have that listed. Right tackle is the big glaring one because not only is it a need now, it's going to be a need going to the future. I have a question for you off that. Yeah. Do you think that the Broncos view right tackle as – like 
this is something I've been thinking about since the draft. Actually, for the last two years, really. But so there, there's like a divide in NFL teams, it seems like. Some teams look at tackles and they say a tackle is a tackle. And like you want to. Uh, I would say the Chiefs are like this. I would say the Ravens were like this. I don't know if they will be going forward because they're such a run-heavy offense. But like the Browns, the Browns paid out their butt for uh, – oh, crap, I'm forgetting his name. But they paid a right tackle um, from Tennessee, uh, Conklin, Jack Conklin. Yeah, awesome. um, but but they treat tackle like a tackle. Um, the fact that the Broncos did not prioritize – like they paid Juwan James. So like that to me might be a sign that they were just really optimistic that Juwan James would come back. But – it looks like the Broncos have tried to kind of like get cheap at right tackle. Like they're just taking a bunch of swings on guys. So to me, it's like, do you think that the Broncos prioritize right tackle as much as like they do like running back? Oh my goodness. I, 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 it's a concern, <laughs> I, it's a concern of mine. It's definitely a concern no, of mine. That's why I ask. No, I've never thought about that. Then it's super interesting. And I hope, I hope that's not true. I hope that they don't value running back more than right tackle. Because a lot uh, of team, a lot of teams look at right tackles and they say, "Well, you have to be." A, and again, this is an old, like, this is an outdated way of thinking, in my opinion. But a lot of people, like back in the '90s, this was the thing: like right tackles, you have to be a good run blocker. You don't have to be a good pass blocker because the quarterback can see the pressure. And anybody who has watched, like, the Broncos move on Miller against right tackles, like that to you, like not to you, but like listeners, that should be a sign that right tackles are pretty important. But I'm not sure Peyton agrees with that. Like you look at the Vikings, it's the same thing. They did not spend a lot of money on tackles. Uh, Left uh, tackles, right tackles, no. Really, that's that's very interesting. Actually, that's re- that's actually very interesting. Well, for me, that's a big need. I see. I agree. I agree. I it, that is to me that's the number one need on offense. That's not quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a premium position. I don't think there's any way to go around it. it Broncos fans have seen it with the right tackles recently we've had. It's been a disaster. Dots, Dotson was was pretty good compared to some of the guys we had, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't I still don't know why he wasn't starting at the end of the year instead of Wilkinson. I don't know if it was just like a favor to Wilkinson because like he he was gonna continue playing and Dotson might retire. I don't I don't know. I don't get that. I don't either. Anyways, I also have Edge up there. Um, as we, we've talked about this. I Von Miller, I'm not sure what the Broncos think about him. The one-year extension says they still kind of value him, but good luck finding a guy. If the option's available there, good luck finding a replacement for him this year. You want to kind of limit how many holes you have, right? Mm-hmm. But um, whether he's extended after this year, I think it kind of is determined on his play yeah, um, a little bit. So, But going back to the beginning of the podcast, they tried to get Jalen Phillips. Yep. So that kind of indicates something. So Ed is definitely up there for me. It's another premium position, a position that you need. Uh, and then what else do I have? Safety. I have safety, Kareem Jackson replacement, getting up there in age, one-year deal, kind of a trend. What did, what did you think of Caden Stearns and Jamar Johnson? Uh, do you think either one of them could feasibly kind of step in and be that guy? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Caden Stearns is a long shot for me. Jamar Johnson's interesting because I think he has the instincts and a lot of the things I look for coverage-wise. But the tackling is really something I struggle to get over with. When On my first watch of him, it was something that I took note of and took note of and took note of and took note of. And it really bugged me. So he fell down my board a lot because of it. What, what, what were your thoughts on Jamar Johnson, actually? I did not think Jamar Johnson was a clean fit for the Fangio defense. So I thought it was really interesting that the Broncos took him. Yeah. Uh, similar to what you just said, the tackling and then also just like the overall physicality is not quite on the level that Fangio seems to want from his safeties. Yeah. So like to me, that looked like a Peyton pick thinking like if I'm, if I'm building a roster post Fangio, Jamar Johnson may end up being valuable as like a free safety with the idea that Justin Simmons could play more strong and then like rotate back, I guess. Um, or maybe as a nickel, but like, even as a nickel, he's going to have to become more physical. So like, that's, it's, it's, it's interesting. Again, I'm not trying to say I hate the player. Cause I think in a passing league, he'll have value because he can play in coverage, but the, the physicality questions also may dog him on special teams. So like, I'm really curious to see like what camp ends up being like for him. Cause like the thing with Stearns is I like Stearns as an athlete. I think Stern, you know, like, like the RAS profile is really good. He's an athletic profile. Like he's a, he's an athletic guy. Um, fact is like he was the top recruit out of Texas in his high school class, which to me is like, that's pretty cool. Um, but like, basically like he hasn't performed up to what people thought he would be up to this point. So the hope is that, you know, the Broncos can kind of like turn on, turn that on. But if not, I think he's a special teamer, which for a fifth round pick, that's fine. Like I'm not, you know, you don't have to be a starter as a fifth round pick to be a good pick, but like, I hope that he can be more. Um, I do think Stearns is a better fit for the Fangio defense, but I, the big questions with him are his instincts. And that's, that's a big question in a Fangio defense that really puts a lot on safeties mentally. Yeah, no, totally. And you bring up a great point about the special teams uh, with Jamar Johnson. What, what exactly is that value look like if he's not, if he, cause it, to me, it really looked like a lack of effort. A lot of times he looked like a guy that didn't want to get hit business decisions. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of them. And it was something that I'm not exactly sure if that's something you can teach a player. What, what's your- I, no, I agree. Like, I think that's why he fell as far as he did despite the pass like production. Uh-huh. Because, like, first of all, like, if you're not a starter right away, you have, well, first of all, if you are a starter, you still are going to have to tackle. But, like, if you are a backup, for you to survive and like have a real role on an active roster, like you have to contribute to special teams. And if you are the guy that's like, sometimes you're going to make a tackle and sometimes you're going to let a guy go by you. You're not going to last on special teams very long. And again, I'm not trying to blast Jamar Johnson, but like he has to be more physical if he's going to last in the NFL. Like it's, it's, I think it's that simple. Uh, yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. Cause the coverage stuff is there. Like yeah. you see, it really is there. Like, that's I think I think he'll have an adjustment, like you know, as you know, most rookies do. Like I'm not, yeah. but I do. I think he has the instincts. I think he he knows how to bait quarterbacks, and I think he he has ball production. And he knows how to contest catches. And it, it almost feels like we're like I'm I'm. It almost feels like too easy to beat on the fact that he's not physical enough. But it's like it's a big flag. And the thing is, in a Fangio defense, the safeties are a key part of run defense. I know you know this, but like. Safeties are a key part of run defense because you're playing out too high so much. 
So what ends up happening is the run defense is built around a safety coming down. If that safety is not going to reliably come down, they're never going to be on the field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. It's something that you'll probably see early on, right? <laughs> you'll it's see it's something I'm watching for in the preseason for sure. It's also, yeah. this is one of those reasons why I keep wondering why Michael Ojemudia has not gotten any sort of talk about him playing any safety. Uh-huh. Um, just because, and, I, and I'm going to be, you know, completely transparent on this. I was not very high on that pick when it happened. Uh, right. I did not really like it just because I'm not really high on zone corners as a, like a general concept. Mm-hmm. And the fact is like Michael Ojemudia played a lot, but basically any of the better route runners, and again, you don't expect a rookie to hold up against Julio Jones, but like he had issues with better receivers, which to me might be something to keep in mind. But like you move him back a level, like by the end of the year, he's very physical. He's a definitely a willing run defender. If he can play on that back area, like he could be the long-term replacement for Kareem Jackson. Maybe I'm open to, you know, I'm open to it. I don't know yeah. if the Broncos are ever going to be, but I'm just yeah. curious why he's not getting any sort of like, look at that. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. It, it, based off the draft, it shows that, right. It kind of indicates that they don't think that they want to go that direction. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, no, but, I, but but it's like because he was a twenty twenty third rounder, he almost is definitely going to make this year's roster. Like I would, I would, he would have to like completely fall on his face, I think, to right. get cut because he is not going to slip through waivers. Somebody else will pick him up. But like, he's not going to play on the boundary unless there's injuries. Like yeah. Patrick Sertan is going to play over him. Kyle Fuller, Roby, Bryce Callahan will probably slide outside before Ojemudi is playing on the outside again. So like his road to playing time either is as like the utility corner who can play inside and outside and just serve as depth behind, you know, the other guys or just like the, the overall utility guy and potentially getting groomed as a safety. And that's why to me, like if he even shows any sort of aptitude for it, I would try it just because otherwise he's just probably a special teamer and a backup, which again, as a third rounder, that's not the end of the world, but like you, you hope that you can get more out of a third rounder. Oh, totally, totally. In year two, you want to get more out of him, especially if he started last year. Yeah, um, and I want to say he played 780 snaps. I, I think yeah. I just looked at that, so I want to say that number's close. Right, and this isn't one of those guys that was just thrown in there because of injuries. No, this was the way the Broncos roster was set up, and Fangio decided, no, he's going to start. So yeah. going into year two, you want to see him expand on that role, not go completely away. Mm-hmm. I get that. I wonder if the Broncos – um have more of a long-term role for him at cornerback, though. With Callahan. Oh, I suppose I didn't think about that. With with Waller the one-year Collins. contracts. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if if he's a down-the-road type of guy because he did. He played like a tricky third rounder. He he did struggle last year. There's no doubt about it. Forced two fumbles, had a pick, but yeah, I and again, I I thought he fought. Like I was surprised he got benched when he got benched, yeah. just because like I thought again, I thought he got toasted a few times. But I mean, what did you expect? You know, so so I, I I do think you have a good point though. I completely am overlooking the fact that he may very well have like a late redshirt year to maybe be a guy next year if Fangio sticks around. Um, that's another like that's a whole other thing. The fact that the Broncos have kind of built their defense around the Fangio, like th- some of their draft picks are really good Fangio picks, and I kind of worry about like if they switch, like how that's going to go. That's you know probably a discussion for another time, but. Yeah. It's definitely like in the back of my mind. Oh, um, one last thing before I let you go, because I've kept you, it's almost two hours, so I apologize. Uh, no, I like it. 
have you started on anything with the quarterback class next year? A little bit, a little bit. I haven't done a lot. I've watched, I think, three or four different quarterbacks. I have uh, watched Howell. I think I've talked to you about this before. I've watched yeah. Howell. I think Howell is about as overrated as it gets. If Howell is the best quarterback in next year's class, and the Athletics' Dane Brugler said that the NFL considers him the one first-round quarterback right now. And I say this within mind. Um, I have heard, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to bash him, but I've heard that Spencer Rattler has character questions. Um, but like with the, those two are kind of like the two big names that I've, I've basically everyone kind of has those guys near the top. I've watched a little bit of Rattler. I think he's okay. I also don't think the Broncos are going to have any sort of close to a chance at him. If he lives up to the hype, he's going to go in the top five. Um, but how I, he's going to have to improve off what I saw last year. I did not think he was a first round quarterback based on what I was watching when I was studying, uh, Javante Williams. I, I saw him in the same fashion while watching Javante Williams and Michael Carter I happened to stumble across Sam Howell I was actually watching with a buddy of my of mine I was like this guy's supposed to be the the first pick next year <laughs> and meanwhile we start to watch and we start to look at him and I was not impressed at all I think he is overrated as well and you actually I was afraid to say it and you did it for me <laughs> online so yeah I I couldn't I can't agree more. I'm not a big Sam Howell guy. From what I've seen, I need to do more of a deep dive, but from what I saw, I wasn't impressed. The good news for Howell, and I, and I say this because, again, I've been kind of out in front bashing the shit out of him a little bit, mm-hmm. but like basically what I see, like when I've watched, he's a poor man's Baker Mayfield with the strengths and same weaknesses. Like yeah. decision-making can get sporadic at times. His ball placement is not always great. Um, he doesn't always make the right decisions. And again, like th- some of this stuff is true of every quarterback. So like I'm not, you know, but like also like the arm talent is not as good as like the, the numbers make you think. Um, I thought that he he lived a lot off of dump offs to Carter and Williams. I also and I know you know this, but like he also had Deami Brown and uh, oh snap Newsom, Daz yeah. Newsom. So like he had four NFL players around him last year, and yes, their offensive line was pretty shitty. But like losing those four players and then that bowl game he played, like I went and watched the bowl game because I was curious. It was like. I, if he looks good this year, he will probably have earned like the top 50 type of hype. But based off of what I have seen from last year, I do not expect it. I think he's going to be a guy who comes down and then like, there's going to be other people who pass him. Um, I know Malik Willis has gotten a lot of hype. Um, I don't know if you've watched him, but I know that he's kind of like the, one of the big names that's kind of been floating around quite a bit. Uh, who else yeah. have you watched? I've watched Malik Willis. His he if you're just talking talent, like you're gonna be pressed to find a quarterback with just like the natural ability of Malik Willis. He's a rocket for an arm. He has the legs. Uh, he can really run the football. All that stuff. If you're looking to recreate like the option offense, Lamar Jackson type stuff. How now, how fast do you think he is? He's and not, again, I'm like, not like you know I'm not gonna roast you if you're wrong, but I'm just. I don't think he's like elite fast. He's not Lamar Jackson. I keep seeing that pop up and okay. it's more of a, um, like four or five ish. Yeah, I think so. I but mean, four or five ish is pretty good. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. And then, but also when I see that comp, it's just further underestimating just how special Lamar Jackson yeah. is in open field. Like he is phenomenal in open field. It's not just, a good thing, you know, uh, but Malik Willis can really run the football for a quarterback. He's really good. 
now he's highs are super highs, lows are super low, really sporadic with accuracy, mechanics, all that stuff. So, so we could have another three years of Drew Locke. <laughs> That's yeah, exciting. Exactly. Except he can run. I here's here's the one thing, and and not to circle this back to Drew Locke too much. The comparison is always Josh Allen. Like that came up every time I basically talk about Drew Locke. The thing that like I, I totally don't see how people continue to do this. Josh Allen was a good running running back essentially his entire career. Like he was a running quarterback. Like he was able to do the evolutionary Tebow stuff as a rookie. So even when he was a bad passer, the the Bills could build around his legs at least enough yeah. to make him passable. And it kind of gave him a foundation to build on. Um, and Drew Locke isn't that kind of runner. Willis, if Willis is that good of a runner, I could I'm I'm okay with a, a toolsy raw quarterback if there's signs that you can kind of build around it because the thing is like and again like you know hypothetically because i haven't even watched willis but if you draft willis and he's not a very good passer let's say like jalen hurts level bad like in terms of yeah. passer but he's a really good runner you don't extend him long term but you have a passable option if he has to see the field right and i'm now, open now to that totally and that's part of the reason why you love last year's class a little bit huh because you knew some of these guys could grow through yeah, some of, they, they can get through some of their growing pains, leaning on their natural ability a little bit. When I look at this class, I don't see nearly as much natural ability from just the top guys I saw. You don't see Justin Fields. You don't see Trevor Lawrence. You don't see, you know, Trey Lance. Those guys were elite athlete quarterbacks, you know. Yep. Cool My whole thing is like this, this idea that, oh, well, Joe Burrow or Zach Wilson, somebody's going to jump. Like somebody's going right. to show up. We've gotten to this idea that because two guys have done it, it's that easy. And yes, I think somebody will get overdrafted based on something like that. Like, like if Sam Howell has a halfway decent year, but he didn't really like improve, improve, he'll probably get drafted pretty highly because people need quarterbacks. I don't care where they're like, ultimately, I'm not that worried about where they're drafted. I'm worried about if they can actually play like McCorkle Jones is a first round quarterback. I don't think he's actually a, a starting level quarterback long term. Happy to be wrong. Well, I'm not happy to be wrong because he's a he's a patriot. But but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But like I would not have drafted him. And that's kind of how I'm looking at this upcoming class. Is like based on like conversations with you, conversations I've had with other people. Like I don't hear the same level of like there are starting level quarterbacks in this class. My understanding is basically like Spencer Rattler is probably going to be a guy, and then we're hoping some of these guys turn out. No, yeah, I think Spencer Rattler is the clear-cut number one from what I've seen. From what I've watched, he's the best quarterback I've seen thus far. And, you know, going back to what you said about these Joe Burrow jumps and stuff like that, if the Broncos are as good as we all hope they are, it's not just going to be one or two Joe Burrows you're going to need. You're going to need, like, four or five of these guys to have massive jumps. It's not uh, – it's, it's something that's – if you're banking on that, it's not a good bet. Unless you have uh, the extra draft capital to go up and get them. But, oh, yeah, the Broncos don't. So, yeah. Yeah. One so I lied. One last thing before I actually let you go then. Based on what you have seen and heard and, you know, kind of kept up with, what looks like probably like the strong areas of this upcoming class, if you've given a little bit of thought? Yeah, for sure. I've really dug in on edge thus far. Oh. That's where Thib I really – Thibodeau, right? Yeah, I have Thib not watched him at all, but I've seen his name everywhere. Monster athlete, man. Monster, monster, monster athlete. Um, Broncos it, probably won't be able to get him, though. 
what was that? The Broncos Broncos. probably won't be able to get him. Like it's a similar problem. Like they're going to have to fall into the top five. Yeah, totally. Uh, there's a, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Sanders from uh, um, Cincinnati. They have an edge rusher that's really good. He's prototype size. He's a speed rusher. He's huge, though. Um, can really bend the corner, stuff like that. He's exciting. It's it's a deep edge class, which I'm excited about. That's my favorite position. Same. To study. Yeah. So and, and it's a possible need for the Broncos, so it's definitely something I'll be looking at. But really, edge, and I watched um, – Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame to safety, who's just an absolute monster. He's 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 really special. He's a good. So so give me give me the the elevator pitch for Hamilton, just because I I've seen like so you my high huddles like Nick Kendall is basically saying like I don't care draft him. Yeah, no, and, he loves him. Yeah, Nick is saying that he's just he, Nick is saying that um he he likes him a lot to Justin Simmons. He compares him a lot to Justin Simmons, but. One thing you have to think about with Kyle Hamilton is this guy's six four, and he's like two hundred and thirty pounds, and he's really actually playing the back end of your defense. So he sounds he's like not, Sean. Sounds like Sean Taylor. He is. Uh, he's not like your big. What's crazy about him is he's not your big hit guy, but he's not a bad tackler either. He's a coverage instinctual, but can also come downhill and tackle guy. He's he's a really fun player. He's a stud. You could be your. I'm in a. I guess I'm kind of putting myself out there with this one, but he could be kind of your Kyle Pitts of this where it's like, uh, safety that early, but he's that good. Yeah. So, well, and the thing, the thing with like the Kyle Pitts thing, like, yes, drafting him at four, like the big complaint again, I'm sorry, I'm dragging you into another tangent, but, but, the, but the argument I think with Pitts that like makes sense and this like could end up applying to like a Hamilton though. It's like, if you don't need a quarterback, take the best player. Like when they're that good, because at the end of the day, you're looking for core pieces that you can build around because positions in football, if you have a coach who knows how to make it the most of a player, the position designation is not quite as important as what they can actually do for your offense or defense. And like a safety who can basically cover like that with that kind of size, if he's physical enough to be a run defender, like. Again, I think the league is going to slowly start to catch back up to the idea that safeties are really important yeah. um, just because you can shut down the middle of the field. And that's where everybody wants to pass is the middle of the field. Yeah. So, like, I don't understand, like, why safeties like safeties and covers linebackers like this whole thing with Fred Warner. If you have a core, if you and again, I don't think Alexander Johnson or Josie Jewel are quite on that level. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're fast enough. I don't think they're quite as good in coverage. Like they can't carry guys. Fred Warner can carry guys downfield and cover. Yeah. When you have a yeah. linebacker like that, like it changes how you can play defense. If right. you have a safety that can do it like Simmons, it changes what you can do on the rest of your defense, which makes everyone else's jobs easier. Totally. totally. I do want to draft that guy. Yeah. And I guess positional value kind of changes on scheme, right? Yeah. Like a lot of it. So if, if this guy has a big impact on your team, it kind of changes the value compared to another team. So it's all, it's all subjective. Definitely. Um, so again, I want to say thank you so much for coming on, man. It was really fun. Um, guys, if you do not follow Joey on Twitter, he is at JR drafts, catch his stuff at mile high sports. Uh, he just wrote about Bradley Chubb. It was kick ass. Go read that. Um, by the time you listen to this, he may have written something else. Go check that out as well. Thanks again. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. It was an absolute blast. So thank you again. Go Broncos. Hopefully, hopefully they live up to our hopes with the schedule, man. Yeah. 
Hopefully it's a week. 